Welcome to Telerotor RC. This is episode 46, Charging. This is Robert Monty. With me is Michael Shaggy Parker. Laggy Shaggy's back, unfortunately. Mike DiPaolo. What's up? Rich Sowers. Hey, guys. What's up? And Cliff Lewis. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Heli Edge Show. I am your host. Wrong show. Oh, I meant, hey. <laughs> get out of here, Cliff. Get, get the fudge out of here. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Get out of here. You're ill. They can have your ass back. Okay, what we did since the last episode. Um, hmm. Well, uh, I have done no flying as between weather and COVID uh, making its way into my house. Uh, I haven't been out to the flying field. I did manage to renew my AMA and uh, I did renew my agreements uh, with my sponsors, Fataba and Contronic. Uh, nothing else really hobby related. How's your family doing? Uh, they're all better. That's, That's good. good. All better back to school. I'm tired of staring at the walls in this room. <laughs> uh, Shaggy, what do you got? Well, I uh, decided that I wanted to see what it feels like to grind my finger off with an industrial surface grinder at the Ford. Yeah, and how did that feel? That knife that I was working on. Oh, it felt lovely. Actually, I didn't feel anything for the first hour. Um, then after that, the pain just kind of built up to the That's point where... because you took all the nerves off. I took everything off, dude. Um, It's been three and a half weeks, and it still hurts like a son of a bitch. Uh, but it's almost better, thank God. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that knife that I was working on has now turned into about a $1,500 knife. Because that's how much medical bills are. Yeah, that's not good. And... Let's see. Um, I dodged. Well, according to my show notes, which Mike clearly has wrote, finds a way to dodge Moto Class three times in a row, and that's pretty much a fact. Two of them was due to weather. One of them was due to grinding my finger off. The day new record. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, big no fly. Yeah, I've been simming almost every day, but haven't been able to. Oh, that has been terrible. I, I don't. It, I just don't care to fly this time of year anymore. I used to, but. It's no point. So I've been simming and practicing a lot of shit. Um, and yes, I did go to back to the forge and finished using the grinder without without any casualties to my other hand. Um, <laughs> but I have, for the past three weeks, I have gotten the excuse to flick everyone off because it's been in a stint the whole time. So the whole time I'm flicking people off, it's been lovely. Did you say flicking people off? Yes, you did. It's like boogers. <laughs> I flick boogers at people. Oh my gosh! No, uh, the bird. You know, fit, you know, giving people the bird. Do you, do you keep? Do you pick your nose at that gigantic finger you got? Oh my gosh! Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he didn't even made it to the he. I don't even think you made it to the ER yet before we're making fun of you. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I wasn't. Even, I wasn't even in the hospital. No, 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 no. Actually, I was in the waiting room, and you guys were. And then, yeah, then, then the. That's nu- when I wanted to see a picture of it. Oh, uh, you, you freaking sick bastards! I swear, you and my mom both. Like, it's like, make you gotta take a picture of it. It's like, why? <laughs> it's like, come on! It's disgusting. I wanted to see how bad it really was. It's like half of it's gone. And it was pretty brutal, but we expected worse. That's not nearly what we expected. Yeah. No. I mean, it it wasn't to the bone, but it was it was pretty close. But uh, as far as heli related stuff, um, I really haven't done much other than simming. I've been simming a lot. I mean, like I said, almost every day, and I've been trying to practice a lot of reversal stuff. Uh, and a new maneuver I was actually practicing, and I was streaming it, and Rob was watching. But it's called it's an F three N maneuver, or at least it used to be. But it's called was it called the Christmas tree? Is that what it's called, Rob? I don't know. Uh, you you said it when we were when streaming that one time, but basically you, I I don't even know how to really describe it. It's you you go vertical, you pop you you pop it over, and you basically do a full a full elevator spiral in the sky. So the heli sideways, you do a full elevator spiral, and then you get wider and wider, and you transition to a funnel. Oh, you were talking about a death spiral, and I I suggested yes. you toy with the collective on the way down so you could change the size of the. Of the spiral, which would kind of look like yeah. a Christmas tree. Yeah. Right. It doesn't, I don't think it has a name that I know of. Oh, okay. I thought it was, an, you said it was an F3N that was, F3N maneuver that was similar to that. F3N has a death, had a death spiral and it does all sorts of craziness on the way down. And you're supposed to keep the, okay. the vertical line as you, as Got you it. roll, flip, pyro and all this madness. So. Got it. Okay. But yeah, that that's what I've been doing. It's just been doing some simming. So that's it. That's what I got. Cool. DePaulo. I mean, nothing particularly interesting has happened. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess there's the depressing information that I haven't flown a helicopter for basically two months. That's depressing. Yeah, uh, between super mega crap weather we've had for two months, and uh, then I had, well, before that, I had a servo ticket dump that Thomas squared me away and got me fixed up with another one. The problem is when you use prototype servos, you can't just go out and buy a new one. You're kind of hosed, and I was uh, hell-bent on not going back to 1520 center pulse, which meant uh, hurry up and wait. <laughs> And then, of course, Robert was joking that, watch, I bet you don't even know where your old set of servos is. And shut up, Robert. You were right. <laughs> I, I, I do actually have no idea where they are right now. I know they're in a box. I saw them a month ago. But that doesn't <laughs> help now because uh, they're clearly absent. So, anyway, I have a servo. Um, I'm probably going to be installing it while we're recording this so I can go fly tomorrow morning. And fly the uh, the Battle Barge 8 billion pound Protoss. Battle barge. I'm so fucking tired of hearing it. <laughs> it's a brick. Just fucking go fly it's the damn thing now, Rich. It just go fly the fucking thing. <laughs> I am gonna fly it. I'm gonna fly it so hard that I'm I'm gonna use its own gravitational pull. Why did every time we talk about it, we gotta go? I'm gonna go fly the fucking heavy ass proto piece of shit. Go fly the fucking thing and shut up. I'm gonna fly it. Like there's nothing that says I can't enjoy huh. the fact that the helicopter is so massive it has its own gravity well. 
<laughs> Makes its own black holes. I'm going to go fly it near someone's foam. It's just going to get sucked into the blades. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's no moon. <laughs> Orbit mm. this bitch. Well, uh, 30 second tangent, but I did do that once. I was at a park flying the 600 and some guy came too close to the foamy and the E5 sucked it in and kept going. Gone. That's cool. <laughs> there, was, there was the one time you decided to take a chunk out of my rudder on my foamy with your foamy. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Rubbin's racing. Rubbin's racing. <laughs> we weren't racing. We were we were we were doing uh what is that? Oh we were, we were prop standing prop. right next to each yeah. other. Yeah. Look, we had touched like eight times before that, so it was inevitable. Yeah. Uh I guess what's the other thing since we last The last time we recorded was in January? Yeah, it was the beginning of January. Uh so I, I guess I guess this kinda counts that I Built a custom exhaust for the bike and then rewired a bunch of stuff, but I guess that's that's honestly it. Everything's been a holding pattern waiting for parts. Yeah. Uh, you know, the funny thing is the snow from that snowstorm from the original, from the recording of January, that snow finally disappeared this week. Yes, yes it did. It was beautiful. No, I, I, I miss it, honestly. Now everything is so wet, you need a boat to get anywhere. That is a fact. Mm. Anyway, um, I'm trying to think. Is there been? I mean, oh, I've been messing with the the DA, the pocket DA thing. So that's kind of a little side project, but nothing's gonna happen until you can actually buy parts. Are we calling that the dick pocket break. dick assist? I did it. I don't know what it doesn't have a name. I just started slapping shit on a breadboard, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. We should call that the pocket dick assist. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. Sure. <laughs> Tell what, you you and. Uh, you and Max will go have a, a naming party. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you don't. It's not. That's not committee. That's just something you do, and then uh, and then the name sticks, and then you're upset. <laughs> Honestly, send it. Send it. All right. Well, uh, that's about all I've got. That's interesting. Otherwise, I can't remember anything else off the top of my head. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's get Next. Rich over with. Rich. Next. Oh, man, don't you want me to go last? Because I can take some time on this. I'm going to bed if you go last. No, uh, we should have had you go first so we could all just, you know, terrorize you. <laughs> uh, I ain't got much because I got to take a no-fly on this. Remember, five minutes. You've got five minutes. Go. And who's the who's, who's got the clock? Dude, I'm going to server mute him. <laughs> <laughs> You're the reason I usually go so long. God, did my voice go higher there? <clears throat> Man. Uh, no, I've got to take a no-fly, too. I haven't flown. The weather down here has not been good, and when it has been better, I've been at work. Huh? I haven't flown shit since. I don't think I've flown. I think I've flown once or twice since Queen City. But anyway, I have been simming, and I've been playing with simming and messing with the Oculus a little bit um, still. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a future episode, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I think it's, as I learn more about it and play with more software and more sims and stuff, I think it'll be a good topic at some point. Um, the uh, Let's see. I'm reading my show notes here. Um, da, 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 fair because, oh, oh <laughs> I, I did buy some things because Cliff sold some things. Um, yeah, so. There'll be some more stuff coming this way soon. 
Yeah, I uh, I know we we were on the uh, we were on what Discord was it Thursday night and Friday night? When uh, were you doing firmware? Uh, last night that was Friday night. Okay, yeah. And, uh, I've been in these walls too long. I don't remember what day it is half the time anymore. <laughs> yeah, we were just recentering all the servos and making sure that the CGYs were up to date and just playing. And the GPB. And the GPB. <laughs> um, so that stuff, yeah. Anyway, that's what I've been playing with. So look at that. I don't think it was five minutes. So next year in competition, Rich is going to beat me with – my helicopter with my servos with my receiver, you know, my fly barless, um, and my speed control. Yeah, how's that going to feel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I figure if I can't beat you with my skill, I might as well beat you with your own helicopter. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's going to make all the difference. No, actually, I'm thinking about making a slow speed helicopter out of that. Slow speed? Is that like an oxymoron? Does that make sense? Slow, slow speed helicopter. A lower speed helicopter. In other words, I don't want something that goes 160 miles an hour because I don't think I can see it when it climbs out. But it might be fun to go 140 or 135, 140. You're sneaking up on five minutes now. Uh, How do you know? Did you set a timer? Did you? No. No. Then how do you know? How do you know? Three minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> I figured somebody set a timer. Anyway, we're good. Cliff, go on, man. <laughs> I really didn't do anything. I have been able to sneak out a handful of times and fly. Um, uh, let Ting fly my raw. He crashed it. That was fun. But it was my oh. fault, not his. Um, I, you know, I've, I've heard all the stuff about all the Loctites, you know, make sure you either use Permatex or use uh, true Loctite, whatever. I use just some no-name brand Loctite. I'm like, eh, it's blue, it's gooey, it should work. It's gooey? Well, that should have been a tell. That should one of the swashballs pulled out when he was doing something. and Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So now two of us have had that experience, and one of them wasn't me. That almost happened to my Raw at Urcha. And Ron Corris actually noticed it. He's like, dude, look at this. Like, oh, shit. Well, that was two things on your helicopter at Urcha that were loosening, because I found one. That was on my E7. That was, it was the spindle bolts. Yeah, the raw is what I so had. So what you're just telling us, you can't build shit. Let's go. Shut up, Rich. Shut up, Rich, okay? <laughs> I crashed my E5 the next day. Uh, my Couldn't seem to get the signal from my brain to my fingertip. You know, when you push the stick one way and it starts doing something bad. So you just keep pushing it even more to make it do it even worse. Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> Perfect. You sure it wasn't the V-bar? It was definitely not the V-bar. I can't blame that. Mm. I, I, I um, guess brain, that. Brain to finger interface. <laughs> I'm sure you would. That has more latency issues. Coming, yes. from, coming from the guy whose brain to finger interface caused him to put his finger into a grinding stone. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Um, really, that's about it. You see, um, crack, and look stuff, at this. You see this spinny thing right here? Shut the hell up. And somebody's trying to talk. Let's cut, I'm going to server mute him. Done. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get through this section. <laughs> Sorry, Shaggy. We'll unmute you when we start the next section. <laughs> no, that's really it. Um, that's really it. Yeah, no, I called you once, and I come to find out you're at the field with our enemies uh, flying helicopters. Yeah, yep. 
and, with our and, knees. Uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, Ting, Ting perfectly rec- uh, representing XL Power by smashing the shit out of your rock. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that sucks, man. Like, having a helicopter come apart, you know what it is, and it's happened with someone else, and you just sit there both going, oh, damn it. He felt really bad about it. I mean... You know, oh, he yeah, felt really yeah, bad. I'm sure. like, whatever, man, it happens, you know. And it, it took us a while to find the link because we were both like, if we find that link and that ball is in there, 100%, that's what it is. And yeah, uh, right. finally we went back. We were just getting ready to pack up. Or we had packed up. We were just getting ready to leave. And we went back out and looked and we he found it. And sure oh, enough, wow. the ball was still in it. And I'm like, look, you can even see where it had the Loctite on it, but. It just wasn't stuck good enough. Oh, hey, hey, hey. If you want to raz Ting a little bit, he did have his raw explode right in front of everyone at Urcha. His XL power. XL power. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm still burnt from today. I'm dumb. <laughs> and uh, uh, mine, I actually ended up chasing all the threads on mine when I first got it because I found out they still had anodizing in the holes. And then uh, Keith's, his exploded too. So, you know, join the club. Yeah, it happens. Whatever. Yep. And then what else was there? There was there was the yeah. Come Monty. On. Yeah. Hey Monty. Nothing else for that section. Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> You're welcome. Love you, baby. Uh, okay. RC heli news and heli event coverage. Well, there's been no heli events. Um, no. I think what Rich you wrote this down. Real flight has moved to Steam going forward. Yeah, starting with version nine point five. Yeah, if you want to do the nine five upgrade, the only way to get it that I know of is off Steam. Huh. So they they've done Steam before. That was a new a new uh, that was, that's been out for a while. But are they Steam exclusive now? I haven't been following them in a while. I don't know what they did with Steam before because it wasn't available that I know of, and they may have done it and pulled it off, but they. The beginning of February, they or beginning. I'm sorry, the beginning of January, they moved it over to Steam nine five. The only way you can get the nine five upgrade is off of Steam that I know of. Because if I'm correct, they did they they started Steam back in like eight, I think, or eight five. Yeah. It's been it a while. Looks like you can order it from Horizon Hobby with a controller and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, I see, I see digital downloads. Yeah, SimSoft were only Steam digital downloads. And honestly, that's the way yeah. to do it these days. Huh. I'd prefer to do it on Steam, honestly. Yeah, it keeps everything upgraded, and you know, it as does. long as you can still use it offline, oh, of course, um, yes. it's fine. You know, it's like if we wanted to, you know what I mean? Then, and it just has to call home once in a while or something. I don't have a problem with it. It's good for yeah. updates. Yeah. I don't so, think of it, I can't think of any other news. Can anyone else think of any other heli news? Um, I, Not I off did the top of my I, head, man. I, I did see an email, and I know one of our, I know a few of our Canadian listeners. They probably already know about this, as I as as I uh, learned last night when talking to Darren Weens. Um, yes, the Mac. Uh, uh, apparently now, yeah, uh, the 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 agreement between AMA and Mac. It is not in a place anymore because of changes that the Canadian FAA made makes it so they're not reciprocal so if we go if we if we travel to canada they've got an interesting low price uh like mac fee we'd pay in order to be able to fly 
And apparently AMA has done something similar, but except it's not like for a weekend, it's for an entire year, but it's only for visitors from out of country. I think it's like $40. Mm. So yeah, uh, Darren was explaining that um, Mac has to record how many people are flying because the numbers are being shared with the Canadian FAA, whatever they call themselves. CAA? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to Canada anytime soon. So, well, and you know, we have a few friends who visit us from out of country for nationals. Yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, have a few friends who visit us for for nationals, but they haven't been traveling so much because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, listener questions and feedback. Got no emails. Discord. Let's get the Discord machine. Okay, there, was, there was some Discord stuff. The Discord. So, Steve from Pennsylvania, he posted up a response to our last episode on on getting on getting warm in the winter. He posted up a link to YouTube, um, where a guy shows using uh, using uh, silicone and a uh, a chemical to mix it all in, so you can make. Uh, any fabric waterproof looks pretty cool um watch through it so yeah i it actually might be it might be something i might use in more of a camping scenario not necessarily in this hobby but um yeah i could see myself using it on something small that's not been waterproof that won't waterproof but it was a good little video he shared with us on discord um yeah he's uh, he was commenting he might want to try it out on his carhartt work gear yeah, we got to know. We got to know Steve a little bit last night. Uh, he was up in Pennsylvania. He's a dairy farmer. He don't get vacation. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, thanks, Steve, for the comment there. Uh, iTunes reviews. I'm gonna go look, but when I looked yesterday, there was no new iTunes reviews. Just put some fail music in here. Oh, look at that! New comment. A listener by the name of Nospel N O S P E L on Thursday. Gave us five stars. Sweet. Uh, he said, entertaining and good info. He wrote, getting back in during pandemic after being out of hobby for a second time. Miss RC Heli Nation 2.0, but these guys are fun and do have good info. Yeah. Thank you, Nospel, for the feedback. Yeah, even if we're not in our, our, in our yeah. That. Shut up, Rich. Thanks, man. That was really nice. That was cool. Yeah. Thank you for taking the <laughs> we time. Appreciate, we appreciate We appreciate it. We really do. Dude, you need to mute your mic and go learn how to speak English. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. We have edit buttons. Dude, I'm eating cabbage bread, man. Did you guys see the picture? Oh, shit, man. They're good. Uh, Podbean. Uh, I don't remember us having any new comments, but I wanted to go check. I didn't think we had iTunes comments, but we did. So off to the Podbean machine. Nope, no new comments on Podbean. Sad face. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then Paul Schwartz reached out to me on Facebook Messenger. And him and I got into a discussion about clothing off Amazon that can be used for warming. And um, yeah, uh, so he brought up another category of clothing if you want to look into it is uh, bicycle clothing. Um, a lot of the, you know, bicyclists, uh, base layers. 
Uh, they got a lot of polyester lycra stuff that you could wear under your you know jeans and whatnot. They're also quality based layers, comfy stuff. So, um, no, good conversation. Thank you, Paul. Um, well, that takes us for comments. Next one is FBL project news. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we're finishing this controller, and then we got to do an ESC swap. Do you have a Cosmic 160 or a Cosmic 200, Shaggy? It's a 160. Same exact one, so you can leave your cables and all that oh, stuff and just swap it sweet. Um, Yeah, but so we got to finish up quick because as soon as the weather warms up, I want to start flying speed again, so we got to hurry up. Uh, don't worry. We'll uh, we'll get him. Uh, we'll, we'll get that ESC used for another year just to test like four flybarrows controllers, and he won't notice because we'll Fudge. distract him with motorcycle stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's uh, not funny. <laughs> we'll we'll bring him back. Don't worry, guys. No, uh, still the same. Four flybarrows controllers remain. Uh, Spirit Spectrum V bar and CGY seven hundred and sixty. So. Um, one of those will get finished up soon, and we'll get on to the others. So, looking forward to getting this finished up. Main topic. Main topic. Main topic. <laughs> Let's get this started! Yeah. <laughs> uh, main topic of this episode, charging. Uh, so... During Chill Out, one of our listeners, and I can't remember his name, who used to live in Maryland and has now moved to Washington State, uh, he uh, started a conversation with us on charging, and, and Mike and I were there, and I said, Mike, we need to make this into a topic. Um, I think there is two main uh, use cases, so uh, uses that this episode is good for, and it'll be for, for folks who are... In the hobby, who have a bunch of charge gear that they just randomly scatter across a table to charge stuff. And for folks who already have a charge solution in a case, but their their case is, you know, a little old in the tooth, or maybe they want something uh, fancier, or they need a bigger charge setup. And so they're about ready to, you know, to purchase their second setup. Um, so we're going to go through some base stuff, and then we're going to go start getting into more complicated stuff. Um, first thing on here is I wanted to talk about ACDC. So, um, there's, there's two different types of chargers. As you look into, I'll call it lower wattage chargers, you'll see a lot of solutions for AC charging that can plug directly into the wall uh, socket, or they plug directly in your into your like your generator if you have one, and they they're just one thing. It's all one solution. You plug it in the wall, and you can plug your batteries in, and you can charge. Um, they uh, an AC charger typically does not put out a high wattage, so they're not a good they're not a good solution for charging 6S batteries in any time that we'd consider acceptable. And I would say an acceptable time is under an hour. <laughs> Um, I'll, many guys would probably tell you, you know, nothing more than a half hour, but I'll say acceptable times in you know, less than an hour. Yeah. I like 20 minutes myself, 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. I, 30 minutes, you know, yeah. uh, balanced and everything or, 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 or close. Yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You start getting above that and 
you know, if it's an old battery, start questioning it, or, or maybe you're just doing a 1C charge, whatever. Yeah, I think a lot of those chargers can only do 1C. Yeah. That's why they, that's why they take 45 minutes or an hour. Well, yeah, 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 because they've got to convert they got to convert the the AC out of your wall into DC mm-hmm. to go for the battery, and with it being in a smaller physical footprint, they don't they don't they're not high wattage. Right. Um, the way to spot a a DC charger setup is typically you'll see that the charger is plugged into a separate power supply, and they're both roughly you know. Well, up until more recently, both the charger and the power supply were about equal in size. But as we get into later, you'll see there's some manufacturers that got some pretty small chargers now that are high wattage. Um, oh yes. But yeah, you'll see with your your DC DC uh, chargers that use a, a separate power supply. As we start getting the you know higher higher wattage setups, and they'll ch- support charging success batteries. Um. And that's the typical solution as well. Uh, next up is power supplies. Um, I would say that there are two main power supplies we kind of see in this hobby. Uh, the first is repurposed power supplies from computers, um, whether they be servers or desktops. Um, the pros of this is they're low cost. Uh, and the specific models of them that you can buy are very well documented for modifications mm-hmm. um, needed in order to make that power supply function outside of its intended application and as a power supply for a you know hobby charger. The, some of the the documentation out there is not created equal. You know what I mean? That some of it's good and some of it's not. So you have to watch what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, depending upon the knowledge of the people who wrote the documentation or their 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 skill in re- recreating detailed documentation, can really call out how easy or hard it'll be. Doesn't it also affect on the usage of the server power supplies, like where it was used, and that that will play a factor on the the specs, the you know, resistance, and all that stuff because of the use. Uh, sure. Um... The model, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, usually a lot of times what I find is guys will go find a specific model of power supply is very well documented, and the guys can find and get a hold of it easy, so they just buy it. Um, cons for a repurposed power supply from a computer. Uh, unknown use time for a used one. You don't know how long it's been running in someone's computer or a server in a server farm. Um, different versions or revisions of the same model uh, of the power supply can make documentation obsolete. Uh, you don't necessarily know when HP or Dell has made a revision of that power supply. If you ended up with it and you look at it and go, uh, <laughs> I don't know what this is. Yeah. I had that happen with some of the HP power supplies that are really popular, the 1200 FBs. Yeah. They made a change. It didn't change any of the, uh, brand or the, uh, labeling. Um, but the internal change was significant and they cool way better. And the fan controller is better. And the newer versions, and you can tell the newer versions if anybody wants to notice, they have a blue power plug instead of a black one. But mm. yeah, I mean, it's you have to watch it. Yeah. Another one of the cons is uh, modifications required to make the power supply work maybe beyond your skill. Um, <laughs> make sure you ground it. You know, you you want to you want to do it. You read through the instructions, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, this needs to be really stressed because if you're not comfortable doing it or messing with it. 
have somebody who is help you or do it for you. You can really yeah. light yourself up with those. Yeah. If you're not careful. Um, last item is a con. Uh, it's a gray area on your homeowner's insurance if the power supply is at fault for a house fire. Um, hmm. I know, uh, I can't remember, uh, Cliff, one of the club members you fly with, and I've been out there with him, he does uh, insurance. And I asked him the question. He's like, "Yeah, if I found it was a power supply like that, I would be, I would, I would be saying that's your problem. You need, to, you need to pay to have your house fixed." I remember we talked to him, and he was talking about that. Um, I, but you know, you're you're not wrong. But any kind of inspector, anything is going to, if they see anything, you know, it's going to be suspect. Yep. Yep. Agree. And I think most of the changes we make to most of those supplies, I don't think are, it's more of shock than fire, isn't it? Okay. I had to walk away a tiny bit, but I've been listening. Yeah. So changes that get made to most of these power supplies. Um, Generally, it's floating the ground or doing something else similar, like cutting traces on PCBs, because the idea is you're trying to remove the, uh, the reference that the secondary supply has when you move it above. So, there is nothing wrong inherently in floating a supply and adding it on top of another. Because really at that point, if you remove the connection to the grounding lug, then the quote-unquote earth, which is not what you should be calling it anymore, and that just ground or reference really is the better word, is now zero volts relative to the other power supply. So if one is zero to 12 and now you tie the negative of the secondary supply to the 12 volts, well, then that's the zero volt reference for the second supply. Um, I guess for brevity's sake, you could say that if you're talking about voltages, if you ever, anyone who's ever taken like electronics design classes will realize this after like the first week is a lot of times people think of voltages as absolute. You know, like the wall socket's 120, a battery is a volt and a half, a 9 volt is 9 volts. Well, voltages are just differences from point A to point B. So if your point A is 12 volts and your point B is 12 volts more, then if you take the difference across both, you get 24. Anyway, um, nothing inherently wrong on paper about doing that. You run into problems where the control logic of the power supply or something else for safety might be relying on that ground connection. So whereas the power supplies I have over on the workbench are isolated, you know, galvanically isolated power supplies designed to have the, the guts floated, and they're designed that if they fail, they'll fail in a safe way. The guy who designed your wall wart, or whatever that's been decased, or your rack power supply, never expected that to be used in such a way. So... If you took the thing apart and you knew what you were really doing with and reverse engineered most of the design to figure out that, yay, verily, this is okay to do, you could get away with it. I know there's several power supplies, I think like one of the DPS series that people have definitely taken apart and a bunch of engineers have looked at it for fun and said like, yeah, you can do this. You know, If you float this trace here and this trace here and uh, cut this trace on the board, then you perfectly float it and the control locket is completely okay with that. Whereas there's other power supplies, if you go doing that, you might run into stability problems, power output problems. It may become, uh, you might end up electrifying the casing, <laughs> which um, 
I will throw shade because I think it's incredibly dangerous. Uh, the MaxAmps power supplies they were selling for a while were shrink tubed together with a piece of rubber between them because what they did was they cut off the grounding lug and just wired them up. <laughs> yeah. Which electrified the freaking case, which is like, God damn, it's you've taken a safety device and now made it more dangerous. So now the whole <laughs> damn thing is electrified by the the lower power supplies output. Yeah, because they had to go so far as to cover the ends in plastic. Yeah, the whole power supply is shrink tube, so you don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that, basically. Uh, I would say if you are technically minded and cheap, which is to say um, the community of people that Shaggy will be joining if he buys a KLR, <laughs> um, oh then, uh, yeah, by all means, if you have a power supply you can do that with. Another fucking motorcycle reference. Oh, do you want to talk about jets? We can talk about jets, Rich. We want a jet? We'll talk about jets. We can do that all night. Oh, God. Um, no, the, the joke is that KLRs are owned by people who uh, will take them around the world, but will refuse to buy a $5 seat color cover and will instead go find a sheep to shoot and use that. Um. I guess the closest equivalent would be the the Gowie garbage people and folks that are running a line from 8 billion years ago and just keep holding it together with duct tape. But it works, so you won't change your mind. Anyway, uh, if you are one of those sort of monetarily tight people who are technically minded, then yeah, you could go use repurposed power supplies. Just like Robert mentioned, that if it is the result of something nasty like that, then... uh, all the fingers are going to be pointing at you if it ever gets the blame gets placed. Uh, all that to say is you might want to keep an eye on it because you are operating outside of the original design spec. So for people who like to tinker, yeah, good idea. And you can get, um, I know a lot of people, they go and buy used power supplies, but you can find new old stock power supplies for rack servers, especially late model racks that no one's using anymore. Uh, you can find those very cheaply. You know, we're talking $300 power supplies. Yeah, I bought some. Taking up space in warehouses now that parts companies are more than happy to give you for 30 or $40. And they're brand new. Yeah, I, I bought some $700 ones for about 40 bucks. The stuff that someone might be buying on eBay, if they say they've been in service. I mean, you got to remember, these are data center power supplies. They've been running uh, pretty high on their rated power probably for hours and hours and hours and hours. And while most power electronics are more than happy to do that, the electrolytic capacitors in these things do have a lifetime. Even just sitting on the shelf, they will eventually dry out. But if they're in service, um, for example, when I design switching power supplies for work, I'll look at one of them and it'll say at ADC, um, I don't know, 170-odd-ish degrees without doing the math. It'll say like a 1,000 hours. That's it. And calculator, 1,000 hours, you know, if you're talking days in service. It's like half a year of work and working hours, which means you're talking like three three months of continuous. It's, uh, it's four, a little over 41 days of continuous use. You get a month before you start worrying about derating. So, yeah, your power supply is not going to be running that hot. But, you know, they have a lifetime. So, and you can get them cheap. So, if you're technically minded and you like having money in your wallet, yeah, you can totally go buy 
new old stock server power supplies. Just get one that's well known and well understood how to float it. Do not be the guy who floats the ground plug. I will personally come by and cut your power cable <laughs> if I see that shit. I, I will straight up do that. Uh, <laughs> that said, I guess do we want to talk about like industrial power supplies then and the what that's, and the why? That's, that's the next on here. All right. So the technical, technical diatribe rant continues. So industrial power supplies. Um, you're looking at anything from $35 on Amazon for a 350 watt to um, one of the Vicors I installed in the AC-130, which would have been right around five grand. And it only does a thousand watts. Yeah, I think we're, we're talking more like mean wells in our in our. It, it's a huge, huge span of price for spec. Uh, you're you're getting into the weeds of right. You can spec all sorts of madness. Like I know when I was looking at first building the the super tiny 3D printed charge cases, I wanted to go even smaller, and I couldn't because the power supplies to do that to keep the footprint, they went from hundred dollar piece power supplies to couple hundred dollar power supplies for the same spec. They're just smaller. So, if you're talking charge cases, uh, Robert, what, what kind of what target audience would you want me to to go after here? Like the the typical one kilowatt charge case, or maybe just a guy who wants 500 watts for charging? Or I'm gonna get through the pros and cons of industrial power supply first. Okay, so because you're you're you, you've you've just skipped like probably 10 minutes of content. All right, so, so 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 we want me to give you the why then? Why should you go buy a Meanwell? Why should you go buy um, TDK? Well, TDK is kind of expensive, but um, I don't need a why. I just was going to list off pros and cons. Personally, yeah, I'd recommend anybody buy an industrial-made power supply. Um, it's just simple. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. There, uh, here's the big one. Where do most servers live, Robert? Inside. Yeah. Where do we usually do flying helicopters? Uh, outside. So, point being, most of those rack power supplies really aren't meant to be operated in dirty environments. And so, unless you plan on removing all the humidity and dust with filters and everything else on your charge case, um... You might run into stuff like failing fans or overheating and nonsense like that. Meanwhile, industrial supplies, if it says it's designed for it, I, like a lot of the mean wells I use, and Keith Williams uses it in the design. I ended up basically just giving him the design at this point. Those are all fanless. They're designed for convection. So if you just blow air over them, they're happy. So they're designed for rugged environment use. Uh, oh, hell, Alexis is home. Short version is it's meant for use outside. Uh, they're safer, generally. They have UL and specs. You can beat them up. They're meant to be carried around and banged around, blah, 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 etc. Robert, you want to continue? i got to deal with food. Sure. Uh, continue along. Pros, industrial power supply. Modifications are typically not required. Um, usually when I'm installing them, the only modifications are already documented on them. It's, you know, if you want to have it output 24 volts, you they tell you to flip this switch or add this little thing, screw it down. Uh, documentation for configuration. Well, usually buying these new and the documentation exists. Uh, they can be purchased in 12, 24, 36, and 48 volt DC outputs. So um, we'll talk later about some of the voltages you might want to choose. 
less gray area about risk on the power supply fault and fires. Yeah, they're made. They're they're built and they're known. They they know how they're going to be used. So they're built to if they fail, they fail safely. Um. Uh, many of them have a potentiometer that you can turn up or down to adjust the voltage uh, to help with generator bucking when charging. Um, computer power supplies have them, uh, but yeah. Um, They're limited on the scope, though. They're more limited on, on how far you can yeah. move them. Uh, industrial power supplies, many physical sizes are available. Yeah, as Mike was just saying, you can you can find them at all sorts of sizes and with all sorts of specs for power outputs and inputs. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon's full of everything. I mean, DG <laughs> the general con is price. Uh, a lot of the places we find that work, you know, common for us to buy, whether it's through a hobby shop or or, or um, through a hobby shop or a supplier to our hobby, a little more expensive. As as Mike just mentioned, uh, DigiKey or Amazon. Uh, if you poke around, you know the model of power supply you're looking for. You can do a quick search, and you can find industrial suppliers that will usually sell these power supplies for less cost. Um, like there's always the ruggedized RSP series from Meanwell. Moderately, I mean they're not cheap, but they're moderately well priced for what they are. They're not and cheap. The specs that they carry. Uh, I will say that we use them for defense projects, and they work great. So this might be a little early on the topic, and correct me if I'm wrong here, though. But what would be for a novice person that's that wants to build their own case? What would be the best recommendation for getting a server power supply? The cheapest way and the easiest way. I mean, obviously, the cheapest is going to be the server power supplies, but grounding it may not be the easiest. So what would be the best bang for your buck where you don't have to do a whole lot of work because you're still new to it versus um, paying, you know, buku money for a really nice mean well? I I refuse to give it. Uh, I refuse to give a recommendation on a, on a server power supply. <laughs> You're not reliable. No, it's not that I'm not reliable. I refuse to give a recommendation. I have no first-hand experience enough. in them, and and I don't I don't consider it to be a solution. I do. <sighs> I, I have used it for bench stuff, but the obvious disclaimer here is that I do not recommend doing this unless you are technically minded, and even then, you're assuming the risk of you might make something that's dangerous. So. The whole, uh, I am not a lawyer and you assume risk if you do this disclaimer. Anyway, should you hypothetically decide you want to do this, um, the, the Dell 550 model number AA23300 is one I've seen a lot of guys use. I think, uh, Keith Williams is actually the guy that turned me on to it. And that one is one where if I remember right, there's just a wire you have to solder on the pins to turn it on. And I think that one of them is, uh... Just one screw, I think, if I remember correctly, to disconnect the ground to the DC ground plane. So, probably the easiest one to deal with versus other ones where you're like cutting traces and doing other crap like that. But really, I would say if you're hell bent on it and you want to take the risk, do your research and do not attempt it if you're not technically competent. It's, this is one of those things where uh, I, I would not expect to save a bunch of money doing it. But really, uh, you'll probably learn a lot. You know, if that's your bag. <laughs> for for a novice, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, or if you if you want to do this, it's best just to spend the money, and, and that way you're not risking anything because you don't know. Or do the research and figure it out yourself. 
I would say if you're a novice to RC, but you're not a novice electronics person, I would say probably not a bad idea to give it a shot if you know what you're doing. But if you're like complete novice, novice, and you're like, I don't even know what a soldering iron is. Um, well, chances are you're in the boat where either A, you have butt tons of money and you've started the hobby with a 700 size helicopter, in which case just go buy the mean wells. Or B, you're new and you've started the hobby. You don't have a lot of money. You probably have a smaller helicopter, in which case I would say the 350 watt mean wells on Amazon that only cost 35 bucks. Not a bad idea. Or just buy a single $100 power supply and roll with that. You know, the 550 watt one. That will run a Q8 at full tilt and you can charge uh, a 12S set of packs, 3300s, at 2C easily. Or or you do what I did and I bought a or and I bought a, a complete charging case from a guy at the field for 150 bucks. 306B case uh 22 power supplies already you know defloated and everything ready to go. That was when I pretty much first started. Yeah, buying a used case is an option for sure. It's probably the easiest. No. But it's it's an option. <laughs> It's an option. It's an option. Uh, <laughs> it's an option. Let's keep going with this. Yeah. On the, we're we're getting off. Uh, voltages. So uh, the current, the current that a power supply puts out will equal creating more heat. So if you can high, if you can, if you can output a higher voltage and do a lower current, that will be less heat. Uh, for example, if I take a 12-volt output power supply to go charge a 6S battery, which is 24 volts, it will have to double the current, so 12 times 2 to make 24. And that is bound to create more heat than if I had a 24-volt power supply charging a 24-volt battery at 1 amp. And it will also decrease your um, amp draw that you can put into the um, battery. Yeah, um... I'm not quite got there yet. Um, all that to say that a higher output, a higher output uh, uh, power supply, for as far as your voltage goes, um, can equal less heat, and that's a good thing. Um, I would say the voltage of the power supply you choose will be based on the voltage of your batteries. You typically charge or plan to charge. Uh, you know, for years I've told folks that there's two spots that are worth spending money in in this hobby, uh, knowing you'll likely grow. One is transmitter, and the other is charging setups. Uh, uh, my charging setup that I built in 2011 has basically lasted me with no real updates uh, till today. Um, and I spent a little bit of money back then, and it's worked with me fine. And the fun thing is these days modular systems but the smaller uh, chargers that are available these days you're not having to go out and drop big coin and buy a kilowatt charger that you know it's it's pretty rough to buy when you're first starting out even though it is probably the better idea to do it for the long run but nowadays you can buy a hundred dollar power supply and um a 65 q8 and just roll that and if you need more power you just buy another set yeah, agree, agree, yeah. Hey, Rod, didn't you have to replace your uh, power supply like two years ago? Who, me? No, I, I, I had my, my mean well, my mean well failed during an event. It popped and everything was safe. And yes, I replaced the power supply. But my charge setup as it was designed and is, works. 
Um, it's worked with all the various batteries I've thrown at it, and it's 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 it is it's been a great uh, investment. Um, I would say at least if you're looking to buy your if you're looking to get a new charge setup, get something that at least outputs 24 volts. Um, anything less, and you're not going to be dealing with success batteries very well. Uh, you know, it's probably will be a bit of a debate for us here a moment, but you know, what do you guys think of going for a 48 volt power supply if you're going to do seven or eight S batteries? I mean, if you can find a charger and a power supply to run it, there's no reason to not do that. Yeah, long term, it would definitely be the right way to go. I'd be running a 36 volt power supply if uh, they were easy to find. Yeah. Unless you yeah. just wire it up in, par- in, in series, then you could. I've actually got a home one here that's... Yeah, I've got a 36-volt one here at home. Because currently, I got two 12s series to 24. Yeah, 7 or 8 batteries, we're starting to see it become more popular. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see there's you know more talk about 7 and 8S setups on helicopters. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, if, if I could, I would try and see if I couldn't do a 36 or 48-volt setup with um, with my charger. Key thing is you you need to if if you're not sure so if you're starting off you may be only running three four s uh your batteries plan for larger size batteries in the future because eventually even though you may not be into that right now starting off you're going to eventually so minimum I think minimum six s at the minimum well well you talked about heat being one of the issues with, you know, boosting from 12 to 24 or, you know, up or have going from a low voltage charger to a high voltage battery, but the issue is really buck boosting, right? So what Mike, can you discuss exactly what boosting that power does? So if you're trying to charge a 24 volt battery with a charger that's producing, it's a 12 volt charger, the, the way that what, what that whole buck boosting thing is and what we're talking about with that. How far do you want me to go into the weeds on this? I don't want you to go real deep. Make it like a, a kid that's into Because we can go down the rabbit hole, man. You, you can go knock on the uh, you can go knock on the Mad Hatter's door if you want. I know. I don't want you to do that. 200 level at most. Yeah. This is a beginner who doesn't understand what wh- why you would why that's even an issue. So, uh, a, a buck converter, all right, let's see. So, you've got linear regulators, which are resistor networks, and they step power down as waste heat. They just burn off the extra difference in voltage as waste heat. So, very accurate, very clean power, um, not very efficient, and they tend to have very low power outages or power outputs because you have to do something with all of that heat. Uh, great for like real delicate analog electronics, not for charging batteries. So, if you're trying to deal with stepping down power in quantity, you use a switching regulator. And uh, the simplest example that I can give you is um, if you have a tank of water and you have a valve, and you can open and close the valve very quickly. But it's either open or closed. That's it. There's no in-between. And there's a drain at the bottom of this tank. And someone tells you, you have to keep the tank halfway full. 
you leave the valve open, it fills up really quick. If you close the valve, it drains down. So if someone says, I want the tank half full, you open and close the intake valve at a rate that pretty much averages out half full, right? That is exactly the way a bucket converter works. It, it bucks the voltage, bucks it down. And it does so by turning on and off. And I mean, there's a lot more electronics nonsense going on in there to make the power smooth and how it all works, yada, yada. And the actual way that the bucking is done. But that's essentially what happens is you, you, you're averaging out the power lower. So right, but if I've got a uh, if I've got a twenty four volt battery and I'm trying to charge it with a twelve volt charger, if you have a buck boost converter which can do both, uh, you would be in the buck operating mode and you'd be um, chopping the power down to the lower voltage. So if you want to step voltage up, um, it's called a boost converter. It's a very similar topology. It uses inductors again to do the mm -hmm. actual voltage change. But uh, same concept, you're just turning a MOSFET, or really in practice a lot of MOSFETs, on and off in a very specific way with a bunch of extra parts in there that let you do it. And it's the same concept. Math is actually really similar. So then you have, if you're going to do both, which you know, in power supplies you do, you've got what's called a buck boost converter. It can go either up or down. So when you go down, you're just averaging the power. If you're trying to go up, well... If the demand is for 10 amps of power or 10 amps of flow, but now it's 10 amps at twice your input voltage, well, watts in have to equal watts out. So if someone's right. asking you for 10 amps at 20 volts and you have 10 volts, you're going to have to draw twice as much approximately input current in order to produce the wattage needed to generate the same current at twice the voltage. And that generates a shit ton of heat trying to pull a shit ton of current. So it's great for small amounts of power. It's, you know, like on boards I've designed, it's not such a big deal if, oh no, I'm only drawing 100 milliamps instead of 50 to make the voltage I need. Whatever, it's for a little ADC or something. But if you're trying to push... 30 right. or 40 amps into a stack of batteries in parallel charge, you're going to be pulling obnoxious amounts of current at your lower voltage. Right. So that's the reason the higher the voltage or to match your battery voltage so that we don't have to, you don't have to buck boost it at all is the best way to go. And honestly, I'm going to say that you go as high as your power supply and your charger will let you. Yeah. Because it's only going to be more efficient generally. And uh, most, because the thing is that, to charge a battery, you have to come up with a voltage that's higher than the battery's voltage to push power into it. It's the same thing as trying to, to right. fill a water tank from the bottom of the tank. You have to push higher pressure in there to put water into it. The battery's the same deal. So, ideally, you want a charger that is relatively at least like four to five volts higher than your battery's charged power. Because what happens is... Otherwise, you get halfway through your charge, like with a 24-volt power supply, and then you're having to switch into boost mode to finish it. So, yep. there's a nice happy spot here where if your charger ends up being happy spots, I guess you could say, at the end of a charge cycle where you start to go into the constant voltage stage where you're ramping down the current quickly, and it happens to be that's where your power supply will have to go into boost mode. Which is great, because then you don't have to supply this crazy high current anymore. 
Um, boost mode or buck mode? Boost mode. So if you're trying to charge a, a let's say the voltage of the battery is now 28 volts and your power supply can only do 26. Okay, yeah. But you're boosting. in the constant voltage mode, you can get away with it because you don't need yeah, all this input power because you're just finishing the charge off. Yeah. You're, you're down at like 5 amps or something. Yeah. If I had my way, I would have a power supply that was 30 volts or something. Well, yeah. But they're incredibly hard to find. Yeah, because you and I you and I have usually uh, turned the potentiometer on the power supply so that output's like 26. Oh, I go as high as it'll let me without overvoltage kicking on. Yeah, yeah, because I could tell you my my uh, Thunder Power charger will will start whining about overvoltage on the input. And so that's the reason I have it as uh, lower mm-hmm. because my eye charger in my setup will, I think, accept up to like 32 volts. Eye charger 306B is 36 volts. Yeah, the Rev Electrics, I think they're 36. Yeah, that's uh, the 10,000 foot example of what a, a buck boost controller does in the context of RC stuff. Well, I appreciate you explaining that. I think that that's, that's a concept that's a little, people don't really understand why they should use 24 volts. Um, or 12 or 36 volts when they're charging, you know, 24, 25 volt batteries. One of the ways you'll notice that, you know, one of the ways you'll notice that you're either pushing at, you're, you're pushing on your charging system is the input wires between your charger and your power supply get warm or hot. Um, really one of the things you'll notice guys do is they look at someone's stuff or if they're looking at buying used is I'll look at the input wires to the charger and if the red is discolored has it been in the sun or are they running a lot of heat because they they, they're running a lot of current at it um i can tell you yeah my 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 306b uh, the red is white (laughs) um but it's not so much it, it, it has to do with the fact that my 306b uh, well, my original 306B was a lot more white, but it's because it had been going for like nine years uh, up until recently. Yeah, well. But, yeah. Um, uh, anything else we want to talk about on power supplies? I don't think so. I think um, we've got it. I mean, if you're comfortable and you, you know, you want to save some money and you can, you know, do the service without our supplies. They're, they can be done safely, but you need to know what you're doing. 1.21 gigawatts or no balls. If you're not, I mean, I mean I've mean, i got two Meanwells here, but I've also got a stack of HPs That's here. That's what I got in my charging case. Um, I mean, I've got it both ways. And I'll tell you what, I paid a hell of a lot of money for a 2,000 watt. Yeah, I've got a 2,000 watt Meanwell and a 1,000 watt Meanwell, yeah. and they're not cheap. Yeah, I, I've, so. I, for, the, for the longest time, I used a 1,000 watt Meanwell, and now I'm on a 1,500 watt Meanwell. Um. I think the the two things, one of them I'm forgetting, but one, where's uh, – I'm thinking, what are some good places you found documentation of power supplies? I mean, the first thing I think of is RC groups. Well, yeah, you can do that. I tell you what, I use the one that Justin did on RCHN for the HP power supplies is the one I live and die by. For those, for those particular – I say live and die. What I mean is that's the one I chose to use because I was comfortable with him doing the documentation. Now, when I went to the newer style power HP power supplies, the ones with the blue plug, which are a revision since um, Justin did those, did that other one, um, I did find another set of documentation um, that I used for those that I felt 
there was enough reviews and stuff on it that I felt comfortable. Plus, I had the experience with the same power supply, the older version. So, you know, there wasn't much difference between them. So, yeah. But not all documentation is created. A lot of these guys will, you know, make YouTube videos and will do documentation on these conversions. And they're not engineers. They haven't run it by engineers. They haven't, you know, we're lucky in our yeah. group. We got a guy, <laughs> we, you know. We got a guy, but we all just end up with mean wells. <laughs> Look safe, bro. Send it. <laughs> well, that's that's because our guy, our guy, kind of recommends that we not, you know. Anyway, but I do have both, and I use both. Matter of fact, in my big case, we'll talk about it later. I have them. So anyway, let's go ahead and move on. I think we've covered this really well. Uh, we're gonna shift directions a little bit. Talk about battery construction, and this is a little light in here. Um, first up in here is what are the markings on a battery that say 6S1P or 3S3P mean on a LiPo battery? Um, I know, I know. No, <laughs> so 6S1P, that means you have six cells that are, uh, running in series so that they are, du uh, not doubling, but they're, uh, not exponential. They're they're increasing their voltage in a linear fashion. So uh, what nominal voltage? The the nominal voltage is three point eight five volts. So if you take one cell, three point eight five, you connect it to the other one in series. Now you're what uh, three point eight five times two. And I'm doing math poor right now, so I'm gonna bring out a calculator. Three point eight five seven times two. Here's seven point <laughs> seven volts. So you, as you keep connecting it series, you're going to keep increasing uh, the voltage in a linear fashion. So 6S1P means you have six cells incre uh, uh, done in series, times. And, and they're not parallel. So it's going to be 6 times 3.85. Right. Next one, 3S3P. <laughs> that is it's still six cells, but three of them are in series and the other three are in parallel. This would uh, take the voltage up three times and then you're basically going to put it in parallel to double the capacity. So if you had a uh, six cells that are all 1000 milliamps uh, and you do it in this configuration, you would end up with uh, a 3000 milliamp hour battery. Mm -hmm. that would be uh, basically three cell voltage. So you're going to be in the 11.1 nominal voltage range. Really, you're not going to see much stuff done in parallel in our hobby in where we're at in helicopters. Um, but uh, I know in in some other areas within their RC hobby, you will see a 3S3P batteries. Um, Lots of stuff for cars. Yes. yes. I was going to say, isn't drag racer guys use that? Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I one of the reasons I mention this is because this kind of gets us into something that we'll talk about later, and that is charging batteries in parallel. Um, mm -hmm. And yep. I wanted to mention that there is batteries made in parallel. Yes, <laughs> so, air, airsoft guns. Next part of next part. Of, <laughs> and there goes the first shot fired over the bow. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Next one is. Uh, Battery break-in. What are the myths? Uh, yeah. Myths? Is it a waste of time? Benefits? Uh, you know, I don't think we actually went that deep in there. <laughs> but can I add Can I add a quick thing? And, and you guys shoot me if um, if it's wrong or tell me to shut up if it's, if it's false? Let's throw it out there. 
So I've always breaking I've always broken in my batteries. Uh, I've always done at least a one C, uh, five charge, and discharge cycles. And basically, what it does is it kind of normalizes the cells. It keeps them all balanced, and it, it also helps with the IRs a little bit. It's just kind of it's just kind of like a cycle. And then, of course, the first I do five initial breaking cycles on the charger, and then at least five initial breaking flights in the helicopter where or the aircraft where I'm not I'm not beating it to death. I'm not killing it. I'm just kind of doing mild head speed. You know, going fluctuating the batteries because it's kind of like a nitro engine. You can't break in an engine at like 50% throttle curve and just hover there all day long. You've got to put a load into it. So I, I'll load it a little bit, but I'm not going to like roll the coal the whole entire flight until after five braking cycles, five flight cycles, and then I'll start putting a little more, increase the load. Thoughts? I don't I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't do that personally. Um, I don't fly as hard as you do either, though. Um, but... Uh, the I, I have recently just decided I am tired of spending you know hundred plus dollars for a six S pack, and I've started looking on Amazon and getting just some of the cheapest packs I can find. Um, the last two six S packs that I got were thirty five dollars. Amen, brother. You're going the cheap route. You, well, yeah, they're thirty five dollars for a six S pack. And I don't have much much time on them yet. I've only got about 10 flights on them. When they came in, the IRs were slightly high. The thing is, um, okay, we're not talking about batteries, though, but if if, if, a set of ba- if you can get 50 flights out of those cheap batteries, you've paid for them. Exactly. That's how I look at it, too. Exactly. Finish what you were saying, Cliff, well, please. No, so, you know, when they first came in, the IRs were... You know, slightly higher than where I thought they would be. They were just under two. They were like 1.8. And I don't have a really great way to check it. Um, I'm just checking it on the iCharger. After probably about two or three cycles, um, the IRs had come down. They were under one. They were like, you know, 0.7. A couple of them were at 0.6. A lot of them were at 0.7. I think the highest one was probably 0.8 or 0.9. And now they've kind of, they like I said, they've got about 10 flights on them. They've leveled off now to where they're hanging out right about 1.4, 1.5 consistently so far. Now, Have you ever seen a battery lower than, with an IR lower than one, Monty? Yes. Yes, but not with our chargers. <laughs> I've never seen one low, with, with, a, with an IR lower than one. A total or, per, or a cell? No, per cell. I have, but not with a charger. Yeah, I mean, I, that that's pretty much it. I, but like I said, the the eye charger is not a, a a great gauge of you know the IRs. It's just kind of it's just kind of okay. Well, as long as you use the same charger, at least it gives you a meter. So I think I think the thing to say I think yeah to to go along with that, Rich to to is. If it's your test tool, if you test all your packs with your eye charger, then it is accurate for you. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I was. That was what I was trying to get out. Yeah. Just, just use the same one all the time, and you, you'll be able to compare them accurately enough for you. the The problem is, and 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 it's well under. It's not well under. It's not well understood, but it's well communicated. Is temperature affects mm-hmm. batteries and how they 
in how they are measured uh, so much. Whether it's if you measure the IR right after uh, right after it's finished charging, man, uh, uh, check the IR right after you finished flying. Uh, check the IR two days later when the battery is doing nothing in storage. Uh, you know, is, it'll all be different. It'll all be different in the same battery. It'll all be different, even on your same yep. you know testing tool. Yeah. Uh, usually, usually in in looking for yourself, you want to be consistent in when you check and. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's right at the end of a charge, that's a semi-consistent time, but that could be really affected by if you're charging at the field. Mm-hmm. So usually my check is end of the night, uh, you know, like on, on fun, fun, on, on fun flies. And I tend to fun fly Sunday when I'm home and it's been like 12 hours or more since the last flight. <laughs> that's usually when I start checking IRs. I think it's cause I don't worry about IRs unless I have a reason to worry about IRs. I worry about them when I get a new pack and I'm breaking them in. We, we would start this little part of the conversation about battery breaking. Is it a myth, a waste of time or benefit? Can we kind of gotten off of that? We have. And, um, I, well, I was going to say, I know with me, I watch the IRs and look at the IRs on a new battery and I do it after I've break it in. I've run it through five break in cycles. My break in cycles are continuous. I've got a Revelectrics power lab. I've got a bunch of them. And I've got the ability with that to hook that to a computer and do five cycles back-to-back with discharges. I discharge at 4 amps because that's the best the charger can do. And my charge is at 2C because that's what I always charge at. So I'm charging on the break-in at 2C, discharge at 4 amps as that's the best I can do with it. And I do that five times back-to-back. And I will tell you, the temperature matters as those charge cycles happen, the battery slightly heats up, and the IRs are lower continuously in their graft across all five cycles, right? Now, this takes a whole freaking day to do this because of the discharge cycle so slow. But what I'm saying is, is I see the IRs go down, not because I think the IRs are really coming down, because once I do it later, they're back up. It's because of temperature, like you were talking about. Yeah. But... I, what I do at the end of that cycle, then I really read the IR of the pack, and I think that's probably where it's going to probably live in the beginning for a while. You know what I mean? I and do. I, so, but I do see them come down, and I also see them get closer together from the time, from the first cycle to the last cycle. Um, and I've got a bunch of them documented that way. Hey, DePaulo. Yo. <laughs> Why are we breaking in packs? And is it actually a da- is it actually of any any fucking value? Yeah. Pack breaking? Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if I really have the data one way or another to either be all for it or just disclaim it wildly. Personally, I've never really bothered too much other than just not going completely batshit on the first flight. But I've never done. Like break-in cycles on a battery, though I'm also not buying two hundred dollar batteries where I'm superstitious and freaked out that I might destroy them. Yeah, I've come to the conclusion I don't fly hard enough to need to do break-in cycles. Really, this is a yeah. question I should probably just go harass some friends of mine that work at Ford and Tesla and ask them. What's the veracity behind this? And then we should do a Facebook post or something. Yeah, that'd be an awesome idea. I'd like to talk about it, but it's just going to be hearsay personally. Yeah. Because what I do is what I learned when I started in the hobby. 
You exactly. know what I mean? And I do, and I do see the numbers. And I will tell you, well, if I charge the battery or you know, tr- put it, leave it at storage and check the IR at storage, it's basically where it was when I started within a little bit until I start putting a lot of cycles on the battery and they just start to naturally climb. Right. And they age. Yeah. They age and they, they just start to climb. It's just the way it is. So, you know, I don't know. I've also got some cheap batteries, like all the, all the packs I use in small helicopter stuff, the three S that's, a, I don't even worry about them. I fly them till they puff, throw them away and buy more. It's the expensive batteries I worry about. And, um, you know. Well, so I'll throw out some signs of battery age. One, yeah. uh, and it's relative. It's relative to the battery. Like 6S, the the IRs on a 6S battery are not the same as IRs on a 3S battery. Right. IR is a great is a great tool, uh, something measurable that you can help you determine if the battery is you know aging or old or. Dumb. Or you've had a cell die or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I The one I personally like more for the 6S batteries is to check voltage, the difference between the high and low cell. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I finished fly, you know, I finished a flight, I, I come home, and that evening I'll plug it in my cell checker, and it, it will usually show me the cell difference between the, the cell with the highest voltage and lowest voltage. you got to remember, these things are wired together, it's sitting there, it's done nothing for, you know, four, six, eight, twelve hours. If I start to see, you know, I, I see his batteries age, that diff, that diff between the high and low starts getting greater and greater and greater. Um, uh-huh. and to me, that's a, that's a telltale sign that the battery is getting old at some point, a cold battery with my telemetry and, and has a high cell diff, even, you know, has a high cell diff when I check it after it's, you know, long, a long time after it's been used. The moment I put it in the helicopter and spool up an old battery with a high, uh, with a high difference in voltage, my telemetry starts screaming at me because the voltage sags so badly that uh, sometimes I can't even get a helicopter off the ground. <laughs> so here's another one I want to ask I want to ask real quick about uh, IR ratings on different batteries. Obviously, the IR rating is going to be a lot larger on smaller batteries uh, with like lower cell count, but would that also include uh, the same cell count, like a 6S1200 for like my Fireball batteries have a higher IR rating than my 6S5000s in my E7? Hmm. I don't have experience to say one way or the other on that one. Anyone else? I've I've noticed the same thing. My small success packs have higher IRs than my success five thousands. They're now, of course, these are very old batteries. But even even when they're brand new, the IRs were extremely high, and they've always been high. But the batteries have been fine. It, it seems like mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a voltage thing. It's more of like a capacity thing that creates those higher IRs. The larger the battery capacity, the lower the IRs. Yeah, I've noticed that same thing. Shay, I had the same question. Hey, DePaulo. Yeah. Could you explain what an IR check, what it, how internal resistance is measured at, at a understandable level? Um, well. It's a pretty good formula. <laughs> uh, I can tell you how internal resistance is measured in the lab for batteries. I'm, I'm for it. I've never actually, honest, I've never actually looked inside of how the IR checkers we have for hobby stuff work. I know when I did uh, cell matching 
with AAA batteries when I was racing Mini-Zs and we were still racing uh, nickel metal hydride AAAs that I used my Fluke multimeter and it has a mode for checking this and it's very odd how you have to how you have to plug things in in order to do it. I mean, mm. the most basic sense is if you pull an X amount of current and you see an X amount of voltage drop, you're going to see a resistance value, which is kind of the IR of the battery. But once you have a battery in series, you get into a little more complicated fun of uh, pulling, and then you have to try and figure out, okay, which cell is the resistance coming from? And that's when you get into, like, four-wire resistance measurements, not a crap like that. Hmm. But the the general 10,000-foot idea is that you pull X amount of current that's calibrated, and you'll see how much the voltage drops, and that'll give you an idea of how much resistance is in the battery. Though, if you're doing that correctly, you calibrate out, either empirically or with multi-wire measurement, the resistance of the leads, the connector, and all that nonsense. So you know you're measuring the battery, and that, that matters a lot when you're talking... A handful of milliohms max for the whole thing, and you can run it into, you know, like a fluke meter. The leads themselves can have like four milliohms of resistance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. The you know the 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 balance taps on our on our stuff can be the weak link in measuring or oh, showing yeah. high resistance. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with the charge leads, you know, how long they are and stuff on your charger when it's reading them, you know. Yeah. Are you using extensions? How many connectors are in those extensions? All that stuff plays a role in that. Yeah. No, I, I typically notice that the uh, for my stick, my stick packs that I've used in the past, the battery that was in the back had longer leads, and that was also the battery that typically started aging. It started showing its age through cycles faster than the battery in front with yeah. the shorter leads. Yeah. Um, which then usually means I end up taking the uh, two stick packs and taking the batteries that are in the front closest to the ESC, and they <laughs> they end up becoming a new stick pack for keeping it going. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we're gonna have some more homework on that section, or maybe we cut it completely out. Next up, chargers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I uh, wrote down uh, two main competitors today for serious charge setups. Uh, chargers themselves. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, that is now true. Yep. Uh, iCharger and ISDT. Um, I don't know who Toolkit is, which was another one that... Uh, yeah, who is Toolkit? Well, he wrote it in blue, so it's Cliff and Cliff added it. I've never heard of them. I don't know. I mean, they they've got that's just the name of it. That's who makes it. It's Toolkit. You can look it up. Who sells it? Well, who sells it? Everybody sells it. Amazon's got it. I mean, I mean, because I know most of the time when we see chargers, they're either iCharger, ISDTs now, or Rev Electrics. For those of us that were big Rev Electrics fans. Um, but you know, they're out now out of business. So. Uh, let's see. Heli Direct has them. Race Day Quads. Get FPV. Amazon. Uh, A-Main has some. Of course, Banggood. Progressive. RC. That's, you know, that's that's who sells them. I have never seen one of these at the field. I'm not saying they're not there. I've just never seen one. Interesting. Let's look at these. 
They're small chargers. They are small. Well, like the ones that I have are sixes. Well, I mean, the biggest ones, the ones I see. The ones that I have are. Yeah, I would say the biggest one I see is 400 watts. Yes. You're not going to get a, a tremendous, uh, you know, you're not going to get a tremendous amount of power out of them. But uh, the thing that I like about it is I can hook up two of the 6S packs because it's got two ports that come out. So you don't have to parallel charge. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's handling 6S batteries? Yeah, it handles 6S. One to eight S. Is it is yours an M six or an M nine or Mine's what? a six. M mm-hmm. six. I'm looking at the M eight. Looks like the difference between the M six and the M eight. The M eight is a single, and it's only one port. And it's single. Yeah, you're right. It is only one port. All right, let's not get specific into it. We can say okay. toolkits. Yeah, toolkit RC. Yeah, look around. It's on Heli Direct. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. they're on Amazon too. Um. Uh, I would say uh, yeah, two main competitors on the bigger stuff is iCharger ISDT Toolkit also looks like it's a new up and comer into it. Um, if you're not, if you know you're not going to be charging large stuff, Horizon Hobby has a lot of stuff, especially if you're talking about like a AC AC power charger, something you can simply plug in a wall and you're charging probably nothing bigger than like three S batteries. Yeah, I tell you, I've I've recommended a lot of beginner beginners. To start with, because their their batteries are also got a chip in them, so you literally plug them in, and you do nothing else. They just start up, they charge. There's no hoopla. They the chip in them will take them down to storage charge by themselves over time if you forget to do it. Um, there's some pretty cool stuff going on with that. They're just not you're not doing anything more than about success with these. Yeah, I I uh, <clears throat> Horizon Hobby has brought technology to their batteries lately that is really welcomed mm-hmm. into the hobby and i've probably said in other episodes i'll be looking to see what the rest of the industry does um yeah i think you know this all started with rev electrics and their their charge you know with the uh, bump charger and stuff and now it's everybody's going that way it's yeah. good um yeah and, these, then, and then the these... show notes here that one of the guys wrote that horizon does offer a 400 watt success charger uh, a smart charger yeah now. yeah um, yeah, that's, I've just I've just turned two guys onto those yeah. who were ultra beginners doing airplanes and starting in helicopters, and they were just not getting it. And they were puffing packs. And I was like, "Look, dude, just go over and get one of these." And, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then the batteries will take care of themselves if you buy their batteries. The chargers effortless. I mean, you literally plug it in. It knows what the battery is. It starts the charge. You can you can control it if you want to, but you don't have to. You just literally plug in and it charges the battery for you. Yeah, I um, I I like that idea. I do too. For um, I have for guys that- I have personally not had good experience with batteries offered by Horizon Hobby, especially at their cost. I have not either in the past. I think we're in a different spot right now. Maybe, yeah. but you know what? Batteries go in cycles from different manufacturers. We've all seen it. So, they they do and and the other thing is is it uh, as I ventured into bigger helicopters Horizon Hobby hasn't really been there in like oh we've got you know 6S 5000s yeah, yeah. they have 6S 5000s now and they can charge them with these chargers and they are smart batteries um and they are in the same price range as our current other they are not the ones Cliff's talking about they're not the 40 you know these, we're talking no we're talking 100 to 125 batteries for 6S, they're in the price everybody else is charging for them. 
So, but they have a chip in them that is controllable, meaning you can have that by default over time, slowly discharge the battery to storage voltage if you forget to do it. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be set to do it, and it is a very slow process, you know, because it's, it's bleeding off voltage, which is heat, and is doing it at a very low rate. Yeah. But still, it's there, and for somebody who doesn't understand why that's important and, you know, charges their packs and leaves them charged and, you know, is wondering why their packs are puffing in three charges. You know, I mean, th- this is for a beginner who doesn't want to deal with anything else or doesn't have to be a beginner. It can be a guy who just doesn't want to deal with it. Um, there, this is up and, I mean, this is, this is where I think everything is going to eventually go. I mean, I think everybody's going to be here at some point, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, DJI's been doing it for years on their drone batteries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, lots of the drone guys do it because they can't count on these dumb idiots that are buying crap <laughs> at Best Buy to uh, handle this, the chargers. They're burning their houses down and shit. You know well, what I mean? I, and guess who's yeah. going to be liable? DJI's going to be liable because they're going to be like, I bought your damn thing. I don't know why you burned my house down. I don't mean to leave the batteries charged for six months. Yeah. You know, they can't rely on that shit. So, yeah, it's all cool. Your batteries will last longer if you leave them stored at a voltage lower than peak voltage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to get into the why. You go research that. There's plenty of evidence out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually about 50%. Um, so, next up on chargers. Multiple channels on a charger are preferred. Um it's, it's either like multiple channels on a charger or another option is run multiple chargers on a single power supply. Right. Um, somewhere in there is gives you the ability to, you know, either charge two batteries simultaneously uh, or charge two different style batteries, maybe... Um, you know, a 3S and a 6S. A 3S yeah. and a 6S, or it could be uh, I'm charging a receiver pack for a Nitro for the mm-hmm. day while I'm charging a 6S battery for a 550, you know, something along that line. But, mm-hmm. you know, multiple channels on a charger or multiple chargers of a single power supply will give you. Right, or let you do two 6S and a 12S pack. Yep. That's what I do. Yep. Um. Which is going to drag us into the topic that I know Mike would probably enjoy mm. talking about, and so would I. So, <laughs> parallel charging. Who mm. who here who here likes parallel charging? I will do it if I need to. Yeah. I do it all the time. But I don't normally do it. So, Shaggy um, does it. I do it. Uh, and I say, who likes it? it I, I used so, to do it. I do not do it anymore. You don't do it anymore, DePaulo? I used to do it a lot. No, I still do it. I like flying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have two side, you know, two chargers, two sides. So, you know, yeah. But I, I don't have anything against it. I do it. I understand it. I've got an ass load of balance boards. Okay. I've got so from a bunch of different manufacturers. Why I have my favorites. Why don't you like parallel charging anymore, Cliff? I kind of like Rich. I will do it if I absolutely have to, but I just feel that it's following the mafia. You know, you, no, you, no, you you you're parallel charging. Yeah. Basically, okay, so let's just say you're going to charge three 12S packs. So it's 
six batteries you're charging, and they're all coming back to – they're all balancing off the same six leads. Uh, it's just – it can't be good in the long run. It can't be. So why wouldn't it be good? If you have a cell going bad in one battery, it's going to affect all the other batteries. The, the, it may not sh- – I mean, huh? fair – it will not. It may not let them go all the way to full charge, but I don't think it's going to hurt it. So I want to hear DePaulo. Well, this is the reason that I do check batteries individually. Yeah. Usually at the end of the day, I you know you definitely. So I, the common argument I've had is people told me like, well, Tesla does this. Tesla has parallel systems. I'm like, yeah, but every single battery is monitored is connected to a BMS IC. Yeah. And that talks to the larger system over CAN or something else. So every single cell is monitored individually, which you don't get with your typical RC parallel setup. That said, um, so long as you keep an eye on things and occasionally check the batteries individually, which I do to make sure nothing's getting crazy, you'll catch a battery that's starting to go bad. They don't go mm-hmm. bad overnight. They don't go bad after a single flight. Without you noticing something is wrong, like your telemetry flipping out or the pack is down on power or you pick it up and you're like, wow, this is really hot. This is abnormal. So, yeah, I, I, I parallel charge happily, but I also check things from time to time with either a cell checker to check for IRs that are way out of whack. And I do balance stores them individually at the end of the day. So they're definitely getting a proper balance together. So I feel like this is another one of those where what I'm talking about when people – uh, balance charge, it, that's it. That's what they do. And that's where they leave it at. They don't go at the end of the day and check everything individually to make sure it's all okay. Then Probably not. And this, so this is where you're running into like, alcohol is dangerous or alcohol is safe. Well, the reality is it's in the middle. You can't be a drunk and being a teetotaler sucks. Personally, that's my point of view. So, what your happy medium is, yeah, I have a couple beers together with friends and then I don't drive drunk, right? And I look at parallel traction the same way. If you're responsible about it, it's a great way to save time and not have cables everywhere. But it also carries more inherent risk that you need to mitigate if you're going to use it. Sure, I'll completely agree with you on that. And a lot of people in our hobby... Not have cables everywhere? I've seen that fucking octopus you're hanging off your charger. What, the one I've got? <laughs> Yeah, saying. and you know, every single one of those leads is protected in polarity clicks. No, I didn't say that. You just said limits the wires. I have four wires coming out of my charger. Yeah, I have That's a it. single octopus. So I can charge a pile of little batteries. So, right. no, don't. yeah, so, so, so Cliff is mitigating by not parallel charging. Yeah, he's a teetotal. <laughs> I, I, and I also don't normally parallel charge. I don't need to charge super fast. I can charge two packs at a time, go fly. Turn around, it'll be charged. If I take three packs to the field, I can sit there and charge. And those are twelve S packs. I can fly back to back. Yeah. They charge yeah, in twenty minutes. So it works. Whereas- so I can sit there and just by charging two at a time, not parallel charging. I've got a charger. My my case has a PLA Duo in it, so it's two separate chargers, kind of. Um, it's one charger with two channels, but they're really treated as two separate chargers. Um. And so I can, but if I want to parallel charge those, I have parallel, mm-hmm. I have boards. So I can, I don't, I don't, my personal opinion is I'm not a fan of the octopus ones. I know you like them. I'm going to use a board with, that has a. Yeah. You know, 
I used to use the boards until I had it short out on the balance taps, and I was like, no more. Dude, the boards are dangerous. Yeah, I, I use squids all the way. Well, I I use fused boards. If you guys have ever seen my leads, all my leads have fuses in them. I also use all the safety leads. I don't use the little damn-ass brass leads that can come out and touch. I use the ones with the covers on it them. Wasn't the, um, it wasn't the uh, main port that failed. It was the balance tabs on the board that failed. That's what I don't like. I'm not saying you can't have a failure. That's, you know, people make arguments all the time. I, I, it's two different ways of doing it. I prefer a board that is fused, period. That's yeah. Fine. I have leads that are also fused, period. It has saved my ass. I have, when I used to use the little brass non-safety leads and I touched them together, the fuse would go. It didn't hurt anything else. Which is good. Matt, I had one I touched together and you could hardly even tell where the two brass points touched, right? So... It's just two ways of thinking about it. I am not. I am not sure what you're talking. Are you talking about the main leads or the balance taps when you say two brass leads? When you got the two little brass balance leads that you're plugging into your charger, one's positive, one's negative. That lead goes directly to the battery. You touch those together, your shit burns up, shorts out, whatever. You're talking about. You're talking about the main taps. The main tabs that you come off that you plug into your charger. If you pull those out by accident and they touch. You are going to have, they're going to melt them. They're going to stick together. They're going to do whatever, right? A, that, that is a problem that exists whether you're parallel charging or not. Absolutely does. Absolutely does, except in my case. I'm using the safety leads. They can't touch. Whatever. Get XT60s or 90s or whatever. Then you don't have those ends hanging out there. No, it's the other end of the charge. Well, you. No, you, he's you talking about that. the four millimeter bullets that are, are common on most inputs. On, on not yeah you know you know what he's talking about no and, and and rich there are you know there are companies like 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 the tool the tool the, the, the toolkit charger or the isdts they have xt60s and xt30s instead of four millimeter mm -hmm. yeah bananas. well yeah that's not that's that's prev that's becoming yeah. more and more prevalent now yep that's that but up until that point they weren't and mine aren't but i've got the safety leads so it doesn't really matter <sighs> Rich enjoys pulling his inputs out with his battery still plugged in, and he has a safety Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't. And I'm being sarcastic on you on you enjoying but it. But I do have the safety leads. I don't mind. It is impossible for my leads to Mine touch. Mine too. I agree. Mine too, because they're on an XT60 so, plug. That's great. You've got a very I'm a, a much more current. Neither one of those is a problem with parallel charging. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Keep going. <laughs> no, damn it. We're going on this tangent down uh, the river over here. <laughs> he, he wants to argue about 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 four millimeter bullets that have nothing to do with parallel charging. No, neither one of them is specific to parallel charging. Yeah. Um, like Mike, I do not prefer balance boards. I've I've especially fuses. I've had fuses. Those resettable fuses. I've had those get confused, and I just yeah. Mine. I'm using actual car style fuses that are wired into the main lead. Okay, and and that and the boards also have their little resettable fuses, and they have their own issues, definitely. Uh, and so I just use the squid style balance tap uh, for parallel charging, mm -hmm. um, and the same for the main leads as well, but. Um, 
Yeah, Mike made a solid point. You need to properly mitigate what you're doing. And yeah, at the end of the day or, you know, after a flight, um, kind of what I talked to earlier, I'll check cell voltage differences. And if it's a huge difference, then something's, something's going wrong in that pack. It's aging out. She's, she's, she's trying to tell you. I would say if you get surprised by a battery failing, then you probably missed the signs and you'll be sitting there in hindsight going, oh yeah, it was hot every flight. I brought it down in the last, you know, two flying days I was in. (laughs) (laughs) Or my telemetry was screaming at me that I was having voltage sag while flying. Um, You know, in, you know, there's, there's plenty of signs out there if you pay attention to it, but. Would you agree that the bottom line is um, parallel charging is just fine. If that's what you want to do, just monitor it. And if you want to charge the other way, like the way Cliff and I decide to do it, just because we're not saying it's better or worse. I just choose not to use a parallel charge unless I need to, but I don't have anything against it. Period. Pa- uh, mitigating, mitigating the challenges that are present with parallel charging by not parallel charging is a fair and uh, okay thing to do. I am. <laughs> I will not argue it any day of the week. Oh, that's a, I am not saying you should not parallel charge. I'm not saying it's crap. I am not saying don't do it. Do whatever you want to do. I know if you don't want to parallel charge because don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm and you. But if you're gonna run around uh, telling me that parallel charging is the second coming of of the devil. Of hell. Of hell, then uh, no, you're sadly misinformed. You're not right either. Right. <laughs> you're sadly- It's mi- perfectly fine to parallel charge if you just take make sure you're doing what you need to be doing to make sure you're not going to have a problem. It's, you know, it, it kind of goes with a- It's perfectly fine for me to transport a, a crocodile in a cage. Because <laughs> uh, that's a mitigation for it attacking you. It's not perfectly fine for me to transport a crocodile on a leash. <laughs> Uh, but uh, well, if it's in your car, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rich. You're welcome. <laughs> so I, w- I wanted to add something about you. You're talking about your boards with the, with the uh, the fuses, and actually, and I have remade it. I'm sure you guys saw the picture pictures of it uh, because you guys thought it was super sketchy at first. But I, so I did remake it. But I actually made a uh, took a piece of copper clad board and I etched it where I can have my positive and negative leaves on on opposite sides, and on the positive leaf I have. Uh, uh, some spots. Uh, ah, crap! Little little pl- um little plugs in there where I can put in a fuse in there. So if I'm um, you know if something was the cross, it would blow the fuse. Uh, and that w- and that's my squid. That is my squid for for charging. That's the main main port squid. So I I do like the fuse idea, but I like the I like the squid's yeah. idea. Well, I mean I I like the Rev Electrics parallel boards. There's a separate there's a separate auto fuse on every single circuit. On the Rev Electrics ones. So they're big as shit, though, because of it. Yeah, which I'd say is a perfect moving us to the next topic. Let's get the hell off of this. Cases. <laughs> Charge cases. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Also known as, well, you've already bought a pile of helicopters, but your dick isn't big enough yet, so time to go get the billion-dollar case. Oh, gosh, really? <laughs> It is amazing what these things can cost. You know, it is really amazing. I, okay, I want to add in real quick. I love the fact that years ago, 
Everyone wanted the biggest, baddest case there is. They wanted their case to weigh 50 pounds and, and could, you know, have a stereo system in there and a blender where you can make drinks and stuff. And now, now it's like the year of the small little portable cases. I love it. Well, it's not the year of. It's a natural progression, right? I mean, we all know Rotocraft started that thing with the big cases. Yes. Everybody wanted one. They're really nice. They're really cool. He still makes them. I don't them. know about you guys, but I always was not a fan of having the nuclear football in my exactly. car. Well, you, you're one of, but that was the popular thing. A lot of people want them. A lot of people bought them. A lot of people got them still. Um, I know the bigger, the better, the you know, the more swattage, the most, that was the thing just, you know, three or four years ago, five years ago. And now you're right. It's gone the other way. Don't you have um, a gigantic charge case? I do have a gigantic charge case. Are you using I it? I can charge. Are you using it? Off? I use it every single time I charge outside he, the house. He's, he's trying to compensate for something he doesn't have. Um, because I, no, I, I built that and designed it. I built it, first of all. I designed it in this time that, that everybody wanted an aircraft carrier for a charger. And that's what I've got. I also wanted to be able to keep my batteries on the deck of the charger and only have the footprint be the size of the charger. With these small chargers, you can't do that, right? But that's okay. I am also leaning towards liking these smaller chargers that are light. My my charger weighs 27 pounds. <laughs> so it's a beast every single time I carry it anywhere. And then, so... That's where I was at too. I'm like, I'm dragging around a suitcase with me and I'm I'm done with it. I'm tired mm-hmm. of it. See, what I'm amused is, is everyone for a long time has thought small charge case equals no power. And then I roll up right. with like, yeah, I've got a kilowatt in this. Yeah. You're not normal, Mike. Come on. I mean, I. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm not normal. I, I, I'm trying to remember, where did that even come from? I'm trying to think. What, the I small think, cases? No, because I, I I don't know how I got all help. Because I had seen like one or two. There was a couple and, of guys working on them, and I know you were like, I can do better. Yeah, because I, I saw one or two over a couple years, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw Shaggy's. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. I saw Shaggy's tiny charge case, and I was like, damn, that's cool. And it had like the, a Q6 in it, right? It was one of Cashwell's things. That I think Shaggy won it, didn't you? I won a gift card for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw this thing, and I'm like. I was like, damn, that's cool. I like that. And I know like here and there I had seen people do smaller charge cases and they're like, that's cool. I like that. But then I saw Shaggy's and it had a Q6 in it. I'm like, that's lit. I love it. It's small and it's portable. And then I realized it's got a dinky ass power supply in it. I'm like, this is infuriating. I want the full power of it. So that kicked off the whole, all right, I need to find a case and then I'm going to have to do some ridiculous weird elevated deck geometry crap to fit as much power per cubic inch as I can. And then the whole garbage bag of plastic prototypes later. Yeah, too, part of the, what, what facilitated the smaller cases with the, the chargers, we've now got high wattage, very small chargers. Yeah, that was a huge step. And that, that really facilitated the ability to make a smaller charge case. And um, yeah. what you did with it, designing the whole thing is it was and getting a thousand, you know, thousand watt power supply in there is pretty cool. So, so I'm gonna so we, we, we hit all over on things about big and small. And I think the first thing is to talk about is your size requirements. And uh, the the more important thing I think to, 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 to look at here is when you travel, how much space do you have when you lay out your pit area? You know, do you have two or three tables? Do you pull a trailer? Are you in a motor home? 
and and you're just you're pitting out of your motorhome or are you trying to go to a fun fly in your Mazda Miata and you're going to you're going to share space with friends <laughs> and the, and there's somewhere in between there. And yeah, and the answer is in between there like like uh, Mike and I for years have have gone to fun flies together and and I have basically said there is not enough room on this table for your friggin' charge case, and he for years had a larger had a larger setup, mm-hmm. um, and it was something he put together out of out of low cost uh, items, um, where it, it, and so you know we've we've kind of we for a long time we kind of combined resources on stuff and, and shared power supplies and whatnot. And I know Rich has a larger setup, and as he says, he takes out his large setup every time he goes outside the house. He also pulls a trailer many times, or he takes his Jeep, and he's got some space. There's yeah. been many times that you know we coordinate with with Rich and uh, Shaggy, DePaulo, and I. We're like, Rich, where can I plug into your charge case at, and just start charging my batteries? Like, where can I plug my charger into yeah. your case at, and charge my batteries? And I just bring you know a, a charger and some leads with the batteries. Mm-hmm. And so those are great things to think about when you're thinking about the size you want. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate, hate carrying a 27 pound charger to the field when I go for the Saturday. Yes. When I'm just taking the car and a couple of helicopters and a bag of batteries and a transmitter and a generator and going to the field that every single time I do that, I, I think it Apollo's freaking charger. Right. Yep. So I'm like, all right, I got to make a small one. And I have one, you know, with these small chargers, I have one little pet peeve with them, and that is I want all my leads with it, right? So I'm going to have to have it big enough to be able to store everything in the case. So about that. Well, I'm not I'm not pointing yours out to that. No, 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 that no, no, is, no. I'm saying as a positive thing. So I tried to, you know, I'm saying a, a, as a positive thing. So with mine, the design goal was how many watts can I get per cubic right. inch? So there was no other. That was like the driving requirement. Right, However, right. I gave uh, Keith Williams a pile of the CAD files to go wild with. Uh-huh. And uh, him and Dan Renane took the one I've got. And I pointed out like, yo, Nanook has a, uh, a bigger version of the case I was using. Because Dan wanted space for stuff. So then... Right. Keith built his new Voron printer, which has a big enough deck to do this. So they went and they took the bigger case. It's still a kilowatt, I think, and uh, it has a storage bay in it. By, but it's right. only slightly bigger. By bigger right. case, do you mean deeper, or is it is it dimensionally bigger in length and width? It's it's dimensionally bigger in length, I think. Isn't it? I think it's a little bit longer and about the same width. Might even be a little deeper too, a little bit. I don't remember. Honestly, I think the one that Dan's got that him and Keith worked on is probably like where I would go next time that I rebuild one. Yeah, yeah, it's not much bigger. Yeah, and and, the, and I know and, Eric's got one that the leads actually fold up into now, and it's small. Yeah, I mean, I I've been using the charge case I got from Progressive RC. Crap, nearly a decade ago now, and yeah, I carry. Well, yours isn't I, that big either. I, no, it's. It's it's bigger than Mike's, but smaller than yours, and smaller yeah. than what Cliff has been using in last year. Um, right. 
And so it's been good. The, the problem is, is that I carry a separate charger with me that I plug into the power supply supporting two chargers. So I have a box with my batteries and my charger in it and some stuff. And I'm, I get tired of carrying that box out. Like I'm happy to carry yeah. my charger out. It's a handle, a box, a case. I just, you know, pick it up, take it out. The box I have my batteries in along with some of the extra stuff I have. I hate carrying that out of my house. And yeah. I'm looking for, you know, I'm I'm just, you know, open mind, just kind of staring and looking at things and thinking. And I'm like, I'm going to mm-hmm. update that somehow and, and stop carrying that big, gigantic, heavy box out. Now, yeah. uh, size requirements, you know, if you're taking one table to the field, you know, work within the space you have. You know, how big's the car? How big's, <laughs> how big's your car? How yeah. big's your table? Are you sharing space with friends? Or, you know, just how much space you really have or, you know. Uh, I really enjoy what Mike has built is probably Mm -hmm. along the line of what I'm going for next because I'd like something smaller, but I do want to carry my charge leads in that, not separate. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, The other thing is, you know, maybe think about if you're going to set down to the ground. I go to some places and we set down the ground. Uh, One of the things that's annoyed me to no end about a lot of the charge, the big charge cases Mm -hmm. more recently is that they had no space on them to set things on. The charger was there. Yeah. And that's one of the things I enjoy about my progressive case is that the chargers and the lid and the deck is basically open for me to set things on. Well, you know, that was the design criteria for my whole charger was that it had to sit in the space. I got a place to put 12S backs on the deck of the charger. Yeah. It only takes up its own footprint. Yeah. And there were not to be any fans or anything outside the case that could suck in dirt if I set it on the ground. And and Mike makes – Mike in his charge case is, is making a, a concession with each other that he basically right. takes up the same table space as me, uh, maybe a little less – and gets the charging and the batteries done as far as horizontal ta- table space. Um, right. And I see some of the big charge cases, they take up a ton of horizontal t- table space, but you can't set the batteries anywhere. So you got to take up. So you still take up the space. The other half of the yeah. table with batteries to charge. Yeah. You're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. See, all my charge leads and everything, my bump controller, all that stuff's in the lid of my charger. The deck is flat and there's no fans. There's no anything because it's using positive pressure. So, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Or you know what Cliff I, Cliff has done is he he figured out specific places to set batteries. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you say, normally I'm I bring I bring enough stuff to where I have room to set stuff out too. But uh, my big thing seriously was that case. I hated carrying it like just like Rich. I hated dragging it out of the house. I hated carrying it. Around. It was just big. Yep. It's big. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, you know, my charge case isn't the big item. It's the case I carry my batteries in, and I tire of two hands. I'm carrying it out because it doesn't have a handle. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I carry my batteries in another case. So, I mean, I've got the same problem. I'm carrying a battery. I mean, I'm carrying the charger out, but I'm also going to carry the batteries out. But I'm not going to carry the batteries and the chargers in the same case. I'm thinking about. So. I think I know the solution for my batteries, and I may just go spend the money on that. But um. Yeah, I definitely think about the size you're taking a table, how many tables you're taking. You know, you're rolling in with a motorhome, you're rolling in a in a friggin', you know, not necessarily Mazda Miata, but are you gonna are you gonna show up in a Honda Civic? You know? Yeah, it's like you guys know if I show up with my trailer, I got twenty four feet of table. Yes. So we have table. Yes. Um 
So and and, you know. and also that's something to think about. You know, maybe you got extra power. Maybe you got extra output on your power supply. Like, dude, yeah, but just bring mm-hmm. your charger, plug in on it. You know, got extra twenty four feet of mm-hmm. table. Sweet, bro. Thank you for being thoughtful. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, those are all things to think about in there when you're sizing. If you want to join the yeah. measuring contest, j- jump on board, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a case where I think I think we all want to go a little smaller, but uh, yeah, we it, it got wild. Bigger may not necessarily is not bigger. Yeah, well, it got wild there for a bit. And progressive, I would say, was probably one of the first to provide a solution. And then, uh, oh, what was it? Um, what's his name down in Florida? Joe Cashwell. Provided uh, Rotocraft. Rotocraft. Yeah. He provided what the people wanted. He provided he what the people wanted, and they wanted to go still big. Is, he's still doing it, and he's still doing. He's he's down there making big, big, you know, charger systems for, you know, I don't know if he's doing it for the military or not. Uh, he's doing com- it for some big commercial entities. Stuff. Yeah, he's doing commercial. It. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they want. That's you, mm-hmm. you give the customer what they want. Uh, yeah. We seem to be you know, heading Ed's, towards a smaller range. Um, yeah. Ed's got a flux capacitor in his, and he's got to carry it around on wheels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, man, there's a whole bunch of notes in here, and I'm trying to make case prices. Uh... <clears throat> you know, you can go the gamut when you're making it yourself or you're buying it. These things, you can build them for a cheap, small, tiny one for a few hundred bucks, but, you know, Cliff, you put in here that, you know, Rotocraft's got a $14,000 one. I know, or $15,000 one. I know for a fact he's got more. That's just what's on the website. Yeah. Um, only Fine Helly's got about 500 bucks. you said in here. Progressive RC, 620 to 2500 bucks. I think the typical charge case, if you're going to buy it, is going to be in the 1000 to $1,200 range. I, I disagree with that. Um, I, I disagree. I would say more I, in the, in the five, five $600 range. If you're buying from where to get it in the five progressive range, progressive. Well, there's yeah, that's not buying one that's got decks and all that stuff in it. Rich, you know my charge setup. It's bought from Progressive, and it, it's sitting yeah. in the six hundred and fifty dollar range. And I've used it now. I've used that charge case now for a decade. Let's say six hundred to a thousand dollars, then probably. That's a fair. I, th- I think six hundred to a um, thousand is fair. I I think even cheaper is fair. I mean, Mike, what's what's your setup running commercially with Keith? Um, like if you bought one from Keith, yeah. Uh, let me go look at his website actually. or or buy the parts from him and in, in the. I'm not. I'm talking about something you're building. I'm talking about something you're buying. So like the one that. My uh, the one I got from Joe Cashwell, which was it's a uh, 150 watt um, Meanwell, a Q6 ISDT charger, AC/DC compatible, and a Nook 903 case was 330 bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's a small case. That's a very small charger. Um, that's a small case. It's not. Yeah, that doesn't. It doesn't charge much. I would agree around that six hundred dollar price range. All right, here we go. All right, all right, hold on. Here we go. So I'm talking about for, for I'm, a, I'm talking about for helicopters. Wait, hold up. Here we go. So a nine oh nine charge case, like the one I built, fully assembled turnkey. Keith charges seven fifty. Yeah, which is fair. It is. There's two Q8s in it with meanwhile power supplies. 
So he's using good stuff. He's using mean wells. It's it's good shit. Yeah, because the power supplies are two hundred dollars. The chargers yeah. are a little under another two hundred dollars. So that's like four something. And then the miscellaneous yeah. parts they add about another hundred bucks. The wiring and the plastic, the so, printing, and all that uh, he, shit. He yeah. makes like a hundred bucks for several hours of work. The one that Eric has, which is the same size, I think he's got a. I think it's a nine oh nine. Also, is the smallest one, and it's the M six with just a regular old whatever, $75 power supply, and it's like $300. But but you do have to put it together yourself. He gives you the decks, he gives you, but you got to get the stuff and put it together. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm talking about stuff already built. I I I have built one of the Rotorcraft kit charge chargers, or, um, you know, where you call him up, he custom does your deck, custom does all the graphics. This one had a lighted helicopter in the upper deck, and all this stuff. I've done that method. And that from from those guys wasn't cheap to start with either. But it's not the same as buying a turnkey that you can take take out of the box, open it up, plug it in, and go charging. When you've got to build it, there's a certain amount of skill or expectation there. Not saying you can't do it. Everybody can do it. It takes time and a little effort. But if you're not comfortable, you know, soldering and doing things, then, you know, building your own charge case is its own challenge. It's fun. I've well, done it. We've all again, done it. I keep it. going back to, I guess, going back to Eric, but he had on his website, he has step by step instructions. You know, that's, yeah, so did Rotocraft. The thing is, Keith will sell you a 3D printed parts kit for like 50 bucks, and you just got to go mm-hmm. buy the rest on the bomb. I mean, that's what I did for Ben. I I, he, I handed him, I handed Ben the, the uh, CAD files. He went to Randy Ray, got them printed, and I'm like, here's the bomb list of parts. Go nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, Progressive RC, I bought the stuff from them and they sent it to me and, uh, I cut holes in the case and screwed things together. Yeah. So I think what we're saying, the whole gamut's here, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Build it yourself completely from scratch, buy a kit and build it, buy it built and done and finished. All of those options are there for you. They are. Uh. And in all different sizes, colors and shapes. Uh, next category of stuff is cooling. Uh, what Mike right here? Stuff forced air cooling is ideal, but you need to plan airflow routes and go with not against your components designed airflow. A pile of fans does nothing if there are bottlenecks. Yeah, figure out which direction the airflow needs to go across your gear, and and if you're gonna use fans, plan it. Um. Yeah. I I know for my setup I have holes cut in my case uh so that it can draw air in where the power supply sits on one side and it can push air out on the other side and the fan is in the power supply. Um yeah. Rich, how did you do cooling for your case? I've got several fairly large fans sitting in the case that pull air in on one side. Yeah. And use positive pressure to push the air out through the other side. There's, there's area, there's area in there for the air to flow. Um, I've got HP power supplies that are dumping into a small air gap where the wires sit, and the positive pressure pushes out through the vent. Um, yeah, I mean that's how I'm using a positive pressure system to do it. But I'm using power supplies that have fans built in them that are pulling hot air through, also through a vent in the top of the case, and then pushing in the air gap. But that's got to be—it's got to have somewhere to, to go. That's the positive pressure is pushing it out. 
They can get really warm. Yeah. DePaulo, what do you what would you say you're doing for your charge case as far as cooling? Uh I took things a little ridiculous though. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you got the entire case completely in CAD, you pull out fluid flow simulations. <laughs> <laughs> Not mine, where I'm just like you go. You go harass the mechanical engineers in the in the next building over, like, yo, how do I use this part of SolidWorks? <laughs> and here I'm going. I'm like, I got a gap right here. There's a fan in front. It's going to push the air this way. It's going to suck it here. It's going to push it through here and push it out the top. Like you noticed that the original case I did had the fans in the center uh, mm-hmm. between the chargers, and then the raised deck has high volume vents all along the perimeter on the sides. Mm-hmm. So that was all done according to CFD. So it's not the best, but I was able to make it as good as it can be given what it was working with. I'm sure yeah. if you spent another 50 or 100 hours of analysis and tweaking things, you could make it better. But once I got it to a point where I'm like, yeah, these numbers look good. This is good enough. Things will stay cool. I'll tell you what, my, my good enough was my sharp, my, nothing in my case shuts down because it gets too hot. <laughs> oh, trust me. So. The first urch I, I brought that, the dual channel case to, we were at the speed line. And I'm like, yo, everyone plug into this shit. We have to barbecue this bitch. Leave it in the sun. <laughs> so, so we basically tried to kill that thing. It was running 20 amps max power on both channels, sitting in the sun for like six hours. <laughs> I'm like, well, nothing's gone over, uh, ADC, so I'm calling that a win. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, my setup has uh, just a uh, redneck engineering, and uh, there's been times I've lifted the deck so that it can air out better because it gets warm under the deck because it can't get enough air in or out, and it's basically breathing in its own hot air. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely worth thinking about uh, a really more professional look. I, I guess to that. To what I mean when I did CFD analysis in the the note you read on the show notes is like if you have the exhaust fan from your charger, don't put your intake fan right on top of that because you're just going to be blowing <laughs> hot air right back inside your charger. You know, look, look at the airflow directions of your parts and what they're doing and where the intakes are, and model your part placement and where your intakes and exhausts are around that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, something I wanted to get into before we go to the last of this part of this topic. Um, and DePaulo, uh, I'd say be ready with a calculator or be untired for a moment. Um, shaggy, shaggy. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so Shaggy mentioned he has a 150 watt setup. And, you know, we commonly charge 6S batteries. You know what kind of what kind of current output would we expect on a 150 watt setup from to a 6s battery? Not much. 6s pack. It's, it's mm-hmm. like four amps. All right, so I usually use worst case. I use the uh, the full charge voltage, which is kind of it gives you margin. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, so what was it? A full point two. It's like four amps. Five. Six. Twenty five and a half. We'll say yeah. So so we'll say 25, 25 volts for full charge ish. Yep. Um, but you got to go a little bit higher than that. So we'll say 25 and a half okay. for a full charge 6S pack. And you say how many watts is it? He said 150. Uh, that's pretty shitty. Yeah. yeah you're going to get just a hair under six amps out of that on a full charge, which yeah. actually means though, 
Um, as it's charging, I would expect to see six or a little bit more, fairly. So soon as I go to six amps, it will uh, it'll shut down and say that you've over maxed over or over maxed the uh, power supply. So I can't. I have to, five amps is the max on that charger on a success. The charger can handle the fourteen, but the char- the power supply. Well, if you know a six S at five thousand, that's one C. Ch- yeah, his uh, so a hundred and fifty watt setup on a six S five thousand is one C. He's is one yes. C. Yeah. So that's if you want to supply. charge more, so let's with that power supply. So if you wanted to charge like two six S five thousands at the same time, you need you need you know at minimum like three hundred watts. But, you know, you'll want a little bit more, of course, to give yourself margin. So if you push mm-hmm. it to five and a half, it doesn't shut down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at chargers, you'll commonly see like like the older iCharger 306B. Uh, it says it on it, 1,000 watts. Uh, I when, I when I parallel charge at its max, um, at its max output for current, it's roughly around 700 watts. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's one of those things that that's a, you know, good section here to pause, maybe rewind and, and, and throw some more numbers at what, you know, Mike is talking about there, because that'll help you understand, uh, just how much, you know, uh, if you're going to run, if you're going to run the voltage nearly equal to what your charge pack is, as we we're talking about earlier, um, you know, what, how big of a charger you're going to have to look at depending upon how many batteries you're going to try and charge. Uh, last on here is generators. I made this section and I think DePaulo added the bullet and he added power output quality matters when dealing with solid state systems. So the first question I asked DePaulo is where's the solid state system? Your charger. My charger. Your power supply. Anything else you plug in there like your phone or your laptop. So we're talking about is the quality of power coming out of the chart. I mean, coming out yeah, of the generator. Yeah, um, this is kind of tough for. And it is kind of a tough to. Why? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Why does um, it matter? So when some engineer designed the crap you've got, he assumed this is the spec the power company gives everyone, and then there's error over top of that, right? And so it can go a little bit higher, it can go a little lower. Yep. Cool. Uh, if you've got a claptrap two-stroke generator with half a fried winding in it that's generating all sorts of garbage and high-voltage spikes and other nonsense, your electronics have to deal with that. And that kind of ripple voltage that'll go up and over, that starts to wear out your capacitors and other components eventually. It can heat things up, and that's where the wear comes from. Or it can be so bad that it actually will overvolt things and start to damage them. <laughs> Good to know. So no more rattle, no more rattle raiders. I mean, that's fine if you're running a refrigerator off of it. Okay. You know, some refrigerators don't like them either. <laughs> no, you're right. The, the newer inverter-based machines, they uh, they're computer-controlled motors in them. They're basically linear brushless motors, and yeah, they don't like that yeah, garbage. They don't like that shit. That's um, you know, a good Synwave-based generator. You know. Um, yeah. So, how would you go about determining if a generator, uh, the inverter in a generator, has a good uh, quality uh, power output? So, uh, the sucky answer is 
Go find an engineer friendly in a soul scope. <laughs> well, you can get Synwave based generators. The Hondas are, they're yeah, inverters. The easier answer is go look around on YouTube. There's enough people out there that have gone and looked into that that you'll be able to know. Uh, or you just look for reports of people complaining about this shit fried my laptop. Why doesn't my refrigerator not like this? When I plugged my phone in, it did all sorts of stupid shit and there were buzzing noises. There you go. Okay. But, I mean, you're never going to, you're not going to go wrong with anything that is generally well-reviewed and well-used. So, like the Ryobi generators or the Hondas or Yamahas, etc. Hondas, the Yamaha, all the name brand ones would probably be fine. I mean, honestly, even the Predator generators, I looked at the power-up head of the the big one that Shaggy has. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't about to plug my shit into that thing unless it was okay. And I was like, yeah, the power-up head of this thing is not bad. It's not super, super clean, but uh, I was not expecting it to be that nice for how cheap he got it. So, yeah, I, I plugged all my chargers and crap in there. I don't know. Would I plug test equipment into it? Probably not because that's like 20 grand. But uh, industrial-grade power supplies? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Is there anything else we <laughs> missed in all this topic that we want to say now? <laughs> Bigger is better. Oh, God. Dude, 1800 watts, baby. Get your shit off my table. I got my heli to put down and look at. <laughs> <laughs> I got more table. Not a problem. <clears throat> uh, oh, God. Cliff? No, man. I think I'm pretty much topicked out. But I guess, I mean, <laughs> just my whole two cents on the whole thing, um, you know, was really, really happy to get rid of the big giant suitcase and get a small charger. And I wouldn't go back if I had to, but big chart cases are good. Yeah, that's the same with mine. I'm I'm looking at doing something smaller, a little bigger than what you know Mike's done with his, but smaller than what I'm doing now. I I will add something to what Cliff said. If and I've run into this personally with uh with electric models. You know, a lot of us have more than one helicopter because a helicopter has an issue and you you, you can't fly it. Uh, with charge setups, if you go build the cooler, newer, bigger charge setup, it may be worth keeping your old one around as a backup. Uh, or having a friend close by for when your stuff accidentally fails because you hooked up to a rough power supply or it's been... Uh, nine years and your power supply finally pops, uh, you have a backup. Or, you know, because, you know, flying your model helicopter, it sucks when you get to the field and you plug it in and it goes pop and your batteries are not charged and you, like, have a full weekend of fun. That's like, oh, crap. So, <laughs> it may be worth keeping that old yeah. charge set up as a backup. It's always good to have a backup. Yeah. It's always good to, it's have, always a good to have a backup. I, I have a... I have a backup 12-volt uh, yeah, output server power supply that sits on a table. And but when, when, you go to, when you go to any of these places that we all go to, anybody's going to let you use their charger, too. They're just like, you know, bring your leads with you. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that. Yeah, bring your own leads. Come over. I'll let you plug in. Yeah, yeah. That's great, great point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Talk to folks. Someone's got spare 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 ports or spare you know time charger right. to be and, doing something. 
And the reason we're saying bring your own leads is not because we don't want to share our leads. It's because you you may be set up a little different than we're set up. If you come if you come with a gallon of gas, you're you're definitely going to make <laughs> friends if you need charge time. <laughs> <laughs> you come with a gallon of gas yeah 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 come on over <laughs> yeah just come by and see me i'll let you choose no I, I, it um, doesn't matter come on by um yeah come on by but uh, yeah i the joke is dude if you came with a gallon of gas uh, yeah yeah <laughs> you got a gallon of gas that's that's, <laughs> that's like the guy hitchhiking on the side of the road be like oh yeah i got more gas for you okay <laughs> no knives no guns cool man jump in <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think we've we've killed it man Apollo, any other items on this topic honestly i'm too tired to think of any ready to go into the actual theory behind a buck boost converter <laughs> i want to hear the the formulas behind a buck boost converter uh, dude know- i've got like three pages of that shit i can show you uh, uh, yeah. uh, I want to hear. Yeah, I was joking. I want to hear the formulas for battery voltage equalizing when you plug in different voltage packs on a parallel charge. <laughs> <laughs> That's just resistance and voltage, man. <laughs> and I want to hear why I'm the worst person in the world for parallel charging. Okay. Uh, well, we we don't have to hang up. I can just start telling you. No, uh, you're just gonna attack me for being the worst person in the world. <laughs> Not the worst. I mean, they're serial killers and shit. <laughs> oh, um, man. Okay. No, man. It's all good luck. Close up. Oh, God. We're glad. Let's get this done. Close up. Check out the other Great Heli Podcasts, Freefall RC Podcast, The Helihead Show, and the Houdini RC Heli Podcast on Rerun, Skids Up RC Heli Podcast, BKRC Podcast, Inverted Down Under RC Heli Podcast, RC Heli Hooligans, Full Pitch RC Podcast, and the OG's RC Heli Nation version 2.0. Please comment on iTunes or Podbean. Help others find the show. If you have any questions, feel free to email us. Upcoming events we are attending. Uh, the Chill Out, the end of this month, February 24 through 27. I think all of us will be there. Yeah, I'll be there. If we're not, then that means not we're there. probably dealing with something. <laughs> not there. <laughs> <laughs> not there. <laughs> uh, COVID is not keeping me away this year, bitches. Yeah. Uh, the next event I know we're probably all attending will be the Heli Spring Fling, April 21 through 24. Yeah. Um, see the 2022 Heli Calendar spreadsheet in Google Drive. The link for it is at the top of this podcast and whatever way you've downloaded it check the show links and that's where you'll find a link to go into our google drive doc with all the links uh the guys added a ton of links to the show notes in this episode and i will ask the guys please transfer those over to the show notes uh main document for others to find links i don't know how to do that i need somebody Um, to do that for me i volunteer rich I, I can show you. <laughs> I, can sh- I can't get my iPad open. <laughs> um, scroll down your favorite podcast app. Click the link for more details. Uh, remember, we are in Discord. If you'd like to chat with us or other heli buddies in real time, search Teleroder or find the invite on our Facebook page. Uh, more guys are actually chatting with us over there. And uh, I fixed the permission on the general chat channel and... Uh, you know, we've been joining in there more recently as the bad weather keeps us talking and how oh, we can go there and folks can join us and maybe we can 
talk more about episode ideas. So past that, uh, thank you all listeners and I uh, hope to see you at the field soon and uh, hope to hear from you if you uh, have questions or comments on the episode. Right on. All right, time to go find another industrial grinder. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. You guys be good. Shaggy, just go make another knife. Uh, I'm going to have to start selling them now because I got to pay for the $1,500 freaking... Don't you dare, Shaggy. You didn't pass your goddamn motorcycle course. <laughs> I can't buy a motorcycle now. I got to pay 1500 bucks for this damn finger. Just yeah, you should have done that. Go get blood. Uh, oh, go buy a helicopter. Egg rolls, Rich? How is I going to pay for my... Whatever. Uh, Bye, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode as we enjoyed taking the time to make them. If you have any questions regarding the show, such as future topics, events, or anything else, you can send us an email at telerotor at gmail.com or on Facebook, search Telerotor. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the field. Welcome to the bloopers for this episode. We recommend you listen to them in private as the audio is loud and the subject matter a bit sophomoric. Enjoy. I be recording, man. Oh, gosh, you and your fucking accent. I know. cannot do I'm, I'm going to go see where the where the uh, cabbage bread is. I'll be right back. Uh, not with the cabbage bread shit. <laughs> oh, no. I was just getting ready to start, and he just like, oh, I'll be back. <laughs> of course. I'm trying to find another way where I can report this stupid tower. Rich. You fucking wanker. I have cabbage bread. Screw you. Rich, I was getting ready to do the intro, and you were like, I'm going to go get this cabbage bread, <laughs> and you just walked away. <laughs> Did I hurt your feelings? I'm yes. hungry. No, it doesn't hurt my feelings, but... It, 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 it did delay us. Oh, and you riding in on a motorcycle three hours late didn't delay us. <laughs> hey, I had to go get Shaggy to freaking record. He was about to not record. It's all good, man. I was man. about to say screw it. I really, I really. Is that Rich's proto? So now we get to do mom? it with jets and helicopters, right? I heard a mom joke somewhere. Was any good? <laughs> is is that is that Rich's proto or is that your mom? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, we'll be out for recess in the next five minutes. <laughs> we got to go solve something in the yard. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Elevator music. Donald, get the battery. <laughs> get the battery. I'll get the jumper cables. Okay. Okay, I'm totally playing like, like elevator theme music in between no, you're that. You're just like, gonna hear me getting over. into the cards. I'm just gonna get in the car and start it. Hear me driving. Random music playing in the background. Hear, hear me stop. Get out of the car. Come here, motherfucker. <laughs> well, that was so. In, in, uh, uh, main topic of this episode: charging. So. I, uh, I can't think of a fancy intro for the main topic. You usually just throw some music over top of it after one of us yells no. out main topic. It's the main topic for tonight. Oh.
It's the me. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it. Screw it. I have a second second delay. I'm just gonna stay quiet. <laughs> and tonight's oh, that was suck. And tonight's main topic is charging. Charging. <laughs> Are you trying to sound like an Italian man or something? Look at me, it's a Mario. Let's go. Woohoo! What the fuck? Where'd that come from? <laughs> <laughs> God. That's what it sounded like you're trying to do. Uh, this thing's trying okay, to let's go. show in a f***ing hurry. Hell yeah, let's go. Get okay, her done. Charging. Do it for As 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 Mike mentioned, oh my god. <laughs> That's straight, that's straight <laughs> Rona. Voice is, my voice has lost power. What'd you just swallow, Mike? Oh, my God. What'd you just oh. swallow? <clears throat> as, as Mike just mentioned, uh, DigiKey or Amazon. Uh, if All right. Sorry, guys. Alexis is a pig and decided to belch in the middle of that. So I'm just going to start over. You suck, woman. I love you, but you're an asshole. Her noises are a lot less uh, bad than the other noises that come through. Annoying and yeah. shaggy. Oh, so keep going. You bitch. <laughs> anyway. Monty? Yeah. Hey, Monty. Nothing else for that section. Yes? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.